Welcome to another episode of Quantum Recast. I'm your host, Corey, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Tanner and Nick. Yes, that's me. Hello. Yo-ho-ho. And we're flying solo today. Producer Jesse is incapacitated at the moment. He's working nights. (laughs) That means asleep. (laughs) Burning the midnight oil, keeping the capitalist machine running. He's trying to keep the pot. He's funding the entire podcast, so we make him work Mm 20-hour days. Yeah. That's most of his role, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he, he's out. So if this episode's bad, it's not his fault. It's really Tanner. Dude. Or is Usually it his fault? Serves as the adjunct <laughs> producer when Jesse can't make it. Mm-hmm. What does that say about the last like seven episodes then? I th- I th- I they've been know. good to me. I mean, I haven't gotten any complaints. I expect we're going to get complaints on Roadhouse, which no right ceases now, as of this yet, recording... You know? Isn't out yet, but I, I imagine that that's not going to be a popular episode. My bad, my <laughs> bad. It's cool. Nick's saving the day by bringing us a, a fan favorite with Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Woo! Pearl, and taking it back to a year he's admittingly knows nothing about. So we'll see how this goes. I know a little bit about it. Nick, I, I appreciate that when you pick a year you're not comfortable with, you sit down and watch movies. Like you, you at least research. Yeah. Me, I usually just, I just go in blind, see what happens. Just wing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we dive into Pirates of the Caribbean and what that movie would look like in 1983, because that's what we do on Quantum Recast, we just take movies out of their original release years and dump them in a new year, and we recast them with actors relevant to that new year. But before we do that, we are on social media, on all the social medias, uh, Instagram, the Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Whichever your preferred uh, method of socializing on the media we're there and you can engage with us and it's a lot of fun. Also, we now have Patreon and Buy Me Coffee. So you can fund us. You can help pour money into this podcast so that we can dump it give right us back the in. Money. And grow. Patreon, if you give us money, you get cool little luxuries that you can go to patreon.com slash quantum recast and see what those are. Or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash quantum recast and you can just give us money without having to ever talk to us again or engage with us at all you choose what you want something for your money nothing for your money either way we want your 
money. (laughs) (laughs) And both of those links should be in your show notes. Yes. Corey, the proper marketing term is we want your support. Oh, sorry. We we want your support. (laughs) But no, for real, it is just to grow the podcast. We're continuously like grateful and humbled by the numbers we get in our analytics. And we just want to continue to grow. And so if you're listening to us on Apple, please give us five stars and review us. That also helps us find listeners. Spotify, you can review us and also give us maybe stars or it's a heart. It's something. Whatever you're listening to us on. Horseshoes. Just say, hey, I like this. And it puts us, you know, it sells us. So um, Mm -hmm, we're excited. mm -hmm. It's fun. It's great. Now, before we dive into this week's movie, The Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. We have to do our little segment called Knit or Pick. Tanner looks like he's really thinking hard, like he doesn't know what he watched this week. So I'm going to start with him. It's mm, like the mm-hmm. teacher calls out, hmm, looks like what Tanner is. didn't do his homework. Oh, look at that kid. He doesn't know. Hey, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do have a series on HBO that I've been watching recently that I like. But I'll say this. I started watching the new Hulu show, The Old Man, which is the new Jeff Bridges, oh, John Lithgow yeah. movie or movie uh, series. And surprisingly, it's really good. I mean, that cast is pretty great, but I wasn't expecting too much just because either of those guys could really phone it in at this point in their career. And I wouldn't blame them. I'd get it. Yeah, I (laughs) would not fault them for it. (laughs) Just here for the check, boys. Right. But they're great. And the show's very interesting and intriguing. And it keeps, even in the just first two or three episodes that I've watched, like keeps it very mysterious and intriguing so yeah definitely check that out i think there's only three episodes out right now but check it out is it an hour-long series yes i think so i think it's also that like we're entering an era where a lot of these a-list actors are doing these streaming shows and we're still not sure like we're like are you just cashing paychecks or is this good right like you kind of go "Mm." it's funny when i saw those commercials for that though i was more like i don't know if this is wrong but it says jeff daniels and i'm like eh. then it says john lithgow i'm like oh i'm in well, Jeff Bridges, not Jeff Daniels. Or Jeff but. Jeff Bridges, sorry, yeah. Well, at this point, your options Dude, are... Do you think it was Jeff years. Daniels, though, as like an ex-CIA assassin? Oh. Be incredible. Be interesting. I'd be so <laughs> fascinated. What were you saying, Nick? I was going to say, at this point, your options as an A-list actor are join the MCU or go be in a TV show. Right. Yeah, pretty much. But no, that's cool. That's cool. I like it. Nick, what about you? So I have a pick. Uh, I finally got around to watching the Ron Howard film Rush. It's a Formula mm. One racing movie with Chris Hemsworth and Corey, remind me the other actor's name. Daniel Bruhl. Daniel Bruhl, who plays Nikki Lauda. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. I've never been like a big Formula One fan or racing mm. of any type, but I was texting Corey while I was watching it because he's seen it before. And I was just like, great. Now I want to buy like a Formula One game and like and race people and stuff. <laughs> but I know that Formula One games are like, simulations and they're nothing like mario kart and that's more my speed (laughs) so (laughs) alas i'll just go play some more mario kart get really good at it talking a austrian accent think i'm better than everybody yeah you know it takes talent to drift just right mario kart you know just to get that shave those seconds off you know your best time Mm -hmm. no i love rush i've seen it like a few times it's probably like one of my favorite ron howard movies yeah he needs to make more like that Well, I have picks. I have movies I recommend. I'm going to give you two because I think they're both just these incredible like passion projects for people. Our buddy Ash from Film Exploration Podcast uh, recommended Mm -hmm. yesterday to all of us to watch Coherence, this weird low budget film he found on Amazon Prime. And he was really excited about. So I was like, all right, I'll take the time to watch this. I watched that last night instead of rewatching Pirates of the Caribbean, which I had to speed watch this morning. (laughs) 
So, but oh my god, it's it's really good. You could tell it's a director that said, "I only have this much money, so I'm going to write a script that essentially only takes place in my house." I mean, it's, he's not oh, in the movie, but essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. just it's kind of like what is it? The movie with the ghosts, the demon, uh, paranormal activity. You know, where it's oh, just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, how yeah. do I make something good out of what I have? And so it's yeah. pretty interesting. And then Mad God on Shudder is this like completely oh. stop motion animated thing that like this yeah. dude who's like he's worked on Jurassic Park and Star Wars. It's like some passion project mm-hmm. he's been working on for like decades. It is incredible. I highly yeah, recommend I Mad God on Shudder. It's an incredibly beautiful film. It looks like a tool video just in full length form. Yeah. So I'm just recommending, hey, go check out these things that people are passionate about and, and made despite not really being backed by Hollywood. Well then, guys, that means it's time to hop into Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, we got to talk yeah. about this movie, which means we start with useless critic stats, which I have those. So that's why oh, I really nice, nice. jazzed up that intro because I knew I was going oh, I to be doing okay. it. Wow. You don't do that for the rest of us? No, I usually just say, yeah, hey, useless critic stats. Who's got it? <laughs> Which one of you idiots is going to read me numbers? Uh, but since I'm doing it, it's useless critic stats. IMDb gives it an 8.1 out of 10. Just for fun right now, it is currently the 81st most searched movie on IMDb right now, which is actually down from popular. last week. Where it was the 28th oh. most searched. It's losing popularity. <laughs> We missed it by a week, guys. Johnny Depp is popular right now because if he won a court case, let's watch Pirates. That's what a lot of people thought, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, By the time this is out, we're four weeks late. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying it's interesting that but, it was recently the 28th yeah. most searched movie, despite that it's like a 20-year-old movie right now. Yeah, Just yeah, because yeah. of, you know, world events. Right. Once Johnny Depp won, a lot of the internet went, it's okay to watch his movies! And they went and watched Pirates again. Metascore gives it a 63 out of 100. And then over at Rotten Tomatoes, we have a critic score certified fresh at 80% out of 100 with an audience score of 86%. So it's a popular movie. People like it. People tend to like it. Yeah. And you know who sort of semi-liked it? Roger Ebert. Yes. He actually reviewed this July 9th, 2003. You guys want to guess the stars? How many out of four? Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Three stars. Nick nailed it. He gave it a solid three stars. Woo! And the good news, fellas, is he actually reviewed the movie. He didn't just give a synopsis and, you know, hit publish. He did the work, guys. He kind of phones it in on a lot of these, I've noticed. He opens with, it's a nice little 90-minute B-movie trapped inside 140 minutes. (laughs) 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 So he said, it charms the audience and then outstays its welcome. So Ebert, not a fan of its, you know, nearly three-hour running time he says he's okay with it being open to a sequel because jeffrey rush and johnny depp do jack up the acting department and do really well Mm. there is a lot of praise for johnny depp in here but before he really gets to the actors he takes a lot of issue with the absurd amount and length of sword fights in this pirate movie what i gotta say buckler okay but he has a good point he said the villains can't be killed and most (laughs) everyone in the movie knows this Right. And so after a while, you're kind of like, what's the point here? <laughs> like, why are we trying to stab the undead guy? There's definitely multiple moments in this film where you're like, what's the idea here? 
You're yeah. trying to shoot was, them with cannons, but you're just hurting yourself. Was there yourself ever a moment here? where we tested the theory like it's a zombie? If you cut off its head, then it ceases to be. I don't think so. I mean, okay. th- it's, it's I mean, like, you can't it's, do that in a cannon. Disney movie. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, they do stick a bomb inside of a couple of a those guy. guys and blow yeah, them up. Yeah. And I feel like those guys probably didn't survive. I mean, there's also nothing that suggests they reanimate. So I guess it's right. really when they put that last coin in and the curse left them, there was just pieces of dude all over that cave. Like, that's true. Actually, yeah. that's gross. OK, so there is a defense for this. So the hand on the pirate ship that chases mm-hmm. Elizabeth Swan's dad, it ceases to be animated once the curse is lifted. Right. But it's still alive. So that's what I'm saying is that maybe if you cut off a head, yeah, the head would still be alive. So when that guy blows up, all of his pieces are still alive until, yeah, you know, until that last coin not. gets thrown in. And then it's just a horrible day for that man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Ebert says the movie makes him grin the whole time. He says Depp in particular seems to be channeling a drunken drag queen with his eyeliner <laughs> and the way he minces about on shore and slurs his dialogue. And he says that's not a criticism, but an admiration. It could be said that nice. his performance is original in its every atom, and he says it pretty much looks like a lifetime of rehearsal went into this. That's, that's high marks. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, he says he's very happy that he didn't play the role straight like Errol Flynn or Douglas Fairbanks, yeah. you know, and so like mm-hmm. a yeah. relatively like classic swashbuckler. So loves it. Was not impressed with Kira Knightley. <laughs> he pretty much says there's not really a fire there that suggests these pirates mm-hmm. should be fighting over her. And I was like, oh, that's rough that's mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so he pretty much likes it and he's also a fan of the theme park ride that he says he's been on dozens of times naturally sure i guess yeah so ebert liked it just maybe <laughs> wanted it to be a little shorter there you go ebert's a fan we're, we're messing with that, something good here i think there's a reasonable note there i can honestly say of the dozen times i've watched pirates of the caribbean and never thought to me like the sword fighting being pointless until he pointed that out and i'm just like oh ruin my fun well it's about fun ebert it's just guys fighting with swords okay yeah yeah well that's useless critic stats which means nick you're the director for this episode you chose this film would you like to tell us why you brought us pirates of the caribbean curse of the black pearl because it's our summer movie blowout you know like we're just (laughs) riding that wave Mm -hmm. all the way Mm -hmm. through this heat wave that we've got going on right now but beyond that it's just It felt like it was a good spot for a summer movie. It's one of my favorite movies growing up. You know, I I remember when I went to watch it in theaters and went to watch it multiple times and taking friends to go watch it because there was still that stigma of it's a Disney movie. I don't want to go watch Mm -hmm. a Disney movie. And I was like, no, 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 this is not a Disney movie. Come watch this. And I remember my friends who were like, they walked out and they're like, that's the best Disney movie I've ever seen. Because Disney's correlated with cartoons and old like that darn cats and love bugs and mary poppins and stuff so like this was the first time they actually did have a pg-13 movie release that wasn't under their other branches of disney for the first time but yeah just a memorable movie um i thought johnny depp's portrayal of captain jack was like the best thing ever and just wanted to mess around with it throw it into like the 83 where i think it'll have a lot of fun it fits that era i think uh with like effects and uh, practical effects and stuff as well i just think it kind of fits that 80s vibe right there yeah yeah when this came out like what 2003 Mm -hmm. i was like a senior in high school i was like in punk rock bands at the time and didn't really care that much about movies it was just some it's like the one thing you could do in our town was go to the movies so you just wouldn't saw what was ever on Mm -hmm. but my guitar player in our band his sister was like a film critic 
for like a publication. Okay. Yeah. And so he was really into movies and she was in the movies and they were like really talking this up. And I remember like thinking, who cares? I, I whatever. And we got to go see it early because of her. She snuck us in. Oh, hell yeah. Then for like two weeks, you're like, I want to talk to other people about this movie, but no one's seen it <laughs> except for me and this guy. So we just geeked out for two weeks. Like, that, that was so cool. You know, and then <laughs> and finally other people see it. And you're like, then you go see it again, like four more times. Cause right. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, so. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, it's, it, it kind of paved the way for Disney getting into Marvel and these other things that were like, we're going to go a little more adult franchise building and stuff. Yeah. Like franchise that, yeah. building. And then also just saying, and we don't have to be PG and animated every time we can push that yeah. envelope. Iron Man can say ass. You're damn right. <gasps> Captain America can look at his own ass and admire it. And we're cool with it. Parts of the Caribbean walked. <laughs> So Captain America, check out his own ass. What a legacy. <laughs> I will say that it still hurts my brain to think that it's been almost 20 years since the movie came out. Yeah. We're starting yeah. to get those anniversaries that are just starting to hit hard. And I'm like, no, no, that's not possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Nick, some of us are staring 20 year high school reunion in the face <laughs> in the next year or two. It's OK. It's OK. It's OK. It's OK. You're going to be OK, Corey. You're going to be OK. <laughs> Oh, therapy. I have a therapy appointment next week, and now I know what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us to, we have questions about Pirates of the Caribbean and the Mm -hmm. Black, Curse of the Black Pearl. Yes. First of all, has Jesse seen the film? I'm just going to say yes. Like, if he hasn't. I'm sure he has. He's kind of off the podcast if he hasn't seen this. When he's editing this, he'll know to lie. He'll know to not finish editing and walk away. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 Jesse, finish editing, (laughs) then understand that you're fired. (laughs) Or just, hey, I'll give you my Disney Plus password. You can watch all five of them. Nick will say all three. Wait, there's what? First question. How did they pick an age-appropriate actress and still make her look 30? I don't know who wrote this one down. That was me. Because Marissa and I were watching it, and there was a point where they keep talking about, like, I was 11 on the crossing to England. It's been eight years. And I'm like, or Marissa was like, wait, so they're like 19? And I was like, they both look 30. So (laughs) I doubt that, right? And they're definitely both supposed to be 19. Yeah. And she is 18. Mm -hmm. Kira Knightley is like right at 18. Yeah. But she still reads like, a 30 year old so I have, she fits I, right in with orlando and everyone else fits right in with johnny but it was wild to me that when i looked her up i was like oh she actually was 18 how the hell did they make her not look 18 so i have two possible answers for you tanner okay. one that actually is an answer and one that is just my guess hmm. is that i think it's because a she has the british accent and it's a period piece Mm-hmm. So she's not dressed like a regular 18-year-old. Okay. So I think that that ages her up a bit. And then the other answer, which I don't know, it might be more of a subliminal thing, hmm. is that it had a lot to do like with her costume was she was 18 and she went on to describe that her breasts were so small that they yeah. actually had to use bosom makeup, which was like an old Hollywood's golden age thing that fell out of favor with the introduction of silicone enhancement. Mm. And so she said they painted my tits for me on the films, which was extraordinary because it's kind of like dying art form. And 
So mm. that's one way they kind of aged her up a little bit because, you know, sex sells in Hollywood, even in a Disney movie. So it's like contouring, like boob contouring. Yeah, it's 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 creating the cleavage. And it, she said it took 45 minutes before it started. Makeup artists would apply a slightly darker shade of base makeup. So, yeah, pretty much it. A lot yeah, of I don't know if boobs were the thing that I was seeing. That right. Was like, she looks older. Go, Something, something's Those different boobs make here. Her look older. Yeah. I think it's I think it's like her facial structure. Right. Like she is mm-hmm. very sharp. She carries herself. Well, yeah, no, she just looks so. older for sure. My thing is, is do you get fired from a set if you're the guy that raises his hand, guy or gal or whoever that raises their hand and says, hey, she's 18. Maybe her boob size doesn't matter. <laughs> Before we have shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Before someone starts painting the 18-year-old actress's boobs, like, maybe it doesn't matter. Shut The up. other fun fact is that while they were filming, she was actually 17. Yeah. Security. It's interesting because when you, like, know the story technically, like, yeah. the Commodore, I think, is supposed to be, like, 28 or something. And so I feel like that really helped, Kinda. At, at least for audiences, her yeah. looking older so that it's not this really weird kind of, like... Because it's already weird. Pedophilic... Yeah. That was going to be my next question is how old is the Commodore supposed to be? Like, was he 18 when she was 11 or is he right. like in his 30s and now at 40 he's trying to marry the 18? I mean, it's like I understand history and understand we didn't always do things the way we do them now. Right. It's like I'm surprised Disney went with that route. Like, hey, let's show this adult with this little girl. And then like two scenes later, let's have this adult male proposing to her. And it's yeah, like, that's yeah. weird. Okay, all right. So we're guessing he was young in that first scene, like 18. And yeah, like, yeah. And now he's just like mm-hmm. not even 30 when he's getting his promotion. Yeah. Right. It's just the white wig they insist on wearing that just throws it off. Got it. Okay, right. cool. What did the monkey spend his gold on? I need to know. <laughs> Someone tell me how this monkey has been cursed. Because as they spend the money, they become these zombies. And the monkey's a zombie, which leads to the idea that he is spending the money. So it's the act of spending it, not just the act of taking it? Well, I mean, it's the act of taking it. But like the way Barbosa explains it is like, the more we spend, the more we like throw out there, Mm. we start recognizing like the food starts turning to Listen, ash jack the monkey is an intelligent monkey guys i mean he he can understand people like he's probably bartering at tortuga being sure like, but what is he going out going like all right barbosa i've got a shopping day i gotta go to the shops what is Listen, he buying i don't want to perpetuate any like unflattering stereotypes but my first Uh-oh. answer is bananas <laughs> grapes bananas uh, an apple? I don't know. He eats something, though. He's also a zombie. He doesn't eat those now. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know who took gold from the monkey. Like, if I'm running a fruit stand and a monkey yeah. comes up and hands me gold, I'm like, I don't know if I should trust this. Listen, bartering and trade yeah, is is on. not. There's not a lot of dialogue that needs to happen. The monkey has money. You put the banana in the monkey's hand. Right. It's an exchange. Doc, if a random monkey walks up to me and hands me a $100 bill, I'm not questioning what this monkey's doing with this $100 bill. I'm going to go, yes, thank you, good man. See, I am. If I'm running a snow cone stand and a dog <laughs> comes up to me with $100 bills in its mouth, I'm asking questions. I'm looking. I'm like, what? Nope, this is a trick. What's happening? So you're not one of those pet parents that will send your dog to go run errands for you? No, no. I just like to think that, like, Maybe there's a little monkey Tortuga inside of Tortuga, and he's like going spending it on like monkey hookers, you know, and just like 
See, that's where my mind was going, but I didn't want to be the one to come out and say it initially. Yeah, I think that's a great idea that they did not dive into in this film, <laughs> and I'm really upset about it. Well, it's I the think, side direct-to-DVD sequel we need. Yes. I think that's the movie we all want, is yeah. like the story between them taking the goal and doing the mutiny on Jack, and then just these guys partying for like a couple of years and just right. watching it just go bad, which that's my question. So like this curse, I guess, takes time to take effect. Like you said, Taylor, mm-hmm, like, yeah. it's like the more they spend. At what point did they go? Uh Oh, wait a minute. Nobody, nobody. Everyone stopped spending the bad money. Right. Like how long before they recognized in the moonlight they don't have skin? Maybe yeah. it's the idea that it's like they were eating and stuff, but it wasn't like actually helping them. So I think the concept, I think, is that like they slowly die of starvation or whatever, or like some wound or something, but they actually don't die. So like the version of themselves they see in the moonlight is just what the actual body looks like because they haven't yeah. been able to like feed themselves. And the stuff. whole Dorian's painting thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. My thing is there's worse curses than immortality, right? But that's actually not their issue. Like that's like they're OK with not being able to die. It's the fact that they right. can't like feel sex Enjoy or it. taste food. Right. Mainly when did that start to Taking effect. Like, at what point did some dude come down from the brothel and be like, So I just bought a hooker and it wasn't that fun? And then the other guy went, Hey, that happened to me. And this other dude's like, This apple sucks. You know, and they're like, Wait, (laughs) hold on. I'm just saying, did that happen immediately? Like, when they first got to Tortuga, or was it like they had a year of fun? And then, like, when they got to the end of the money, it's like, Oh crap, we got to go back and get all these coins. Get all the money. So that's the movie I want is them initially spending it. Finding out, then like the rest of the movies, them going back and getting all but this last piece. I think that'd be the fun part. A lot of fetch quest. Mm-hmm. Last question. Okay, so we have Pirates of the Caribbean. We also have the movies Tomorrowland, Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, and we even have a Country Bears Jamboree movie. True. Where True. is my Space Mountain movie? That should have been like first. What's the character in I Space don't- Mountain? It's what was the character in half this crap? You just you, you just take the ride well, and, and you just in this one. Yeah, but was Jack did Jack Space Sparrow Mountain exist? Is just a black hole. When you're in Space Mountain, it is just dark. You're telling me if you didn't see a neon Space Mountain poster just lettering, you wouldn't be like immediately intrigued. Like, I got to see this. I don't know. Corey, Space Mountain is a movie that we've been watching for the past like 40 years. It's called Ric Flair's Secret Career Outside of Wrestling. (laughs) I wonder if that's why they've never made a Space Mountain movie. It's because Ric Flair dirtied up Space Mountain. Too bad. They're like, well, that's Ric Flair's name for his penis. So we're just going (laughs) to... Yeah, Tanner, Tanner does I feel not like I'm way out of the loop here. You got to go watch like 70s, early 80s wrestling when Ric Flair, all of his promos were just about sleeping with everybody in every town he was in. And mm. it was pretty much riding Space Mountain and that he was a 60 minute man. That's like wow. most of his promos back then. One of the quotes, Tanner, is Space Mountain baby, the oldest ride in the park, but it has the longest line. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so I wonder if that's why Disney's like, we could write a great movie around Space Mountain. I mean, you pretty much it's a blank slate. It's just the name's got IP value. Right. But then they're like, but then everyone just thinks about Ric Flair's penis. And so we're so just going to bring movie. this up and it's going to get resurfaced. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. The memes. Forget it. Got to think about the memes now. Just not ideal. Fair enough. I'm just saying, I eventually want a Space Mountain movie. But I mean, yeah, where's the clear. Splash Mountain movie, guys? Like, Isn't oh, that wait. the Briar Rabbit and stuff? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was the, okay. yeah that's the that's joke. Right. We, yeah. just, we just don't talk about that one. <laughs> um, got that movie. We've tried to get it back. That brings us to Junk 
drawer trivia. Nick, can you tell us anything about Pirates of the Caribbean behind the scenes or otherwise? So I'm going to narrow this down and just make it about Jack Sparrow, the man, the myth, the legend, and Johnny Depp. So to lead in, we'll just talk about some of the people that were considered for the role. They considered Matthew McConaughey because he resembles Burt Lancaster, who inspired hmm. the original script's interpretation of the character. And if you've ever seen any like sketches they had when Johnny Depp eventually got the role, the sketch of him as Jack Sparrow was so basic. Like he had like a bandana on. I think he may have had an eye patch or something, but it was just yeah. very basic. Like he's clean shaven. So like very far from what their expectation was. Robert De Niro was apparently offered the role of Captain Jack Sparrow. There's mixed no, ones there because it's. It says Jack Sparrow or it says Barbosa. So I've seen both. So he, but oh, he declined. Barbosa. Barbosa sounds more logical, especially that late in his career. But he declined thinking that a movie wouldn't do well because pirate movies were kind of had this curse going on with them. Like, because Pirates of the Caribbean actually broke the supposed pirate movie curse. Because, I mean, since the mid 70s, you had Swashbuckler, the pirate movie, Savage Islands, Yellowbeard pirates cutthroat island and water world in the 90s hook was successful but i guess they didn't really include that as a true pirate movie mm. but once he was proven wrong that's when he took captain shakespeare in the movie stardust in 07 <laughs> this will be a hit <laughs> yeah so the writer and co-creator Stuart betty he wrote the part of jack Spill actually with hugh jackman in mind they went to the same australian high school and so that's even the the first name's a nod to hugh jackman but Disney hmm. didn't think Jackman was big enough of a star at the time. And so the part was given or offered to Johnny Depp, but was also considered a commercial risk because Depp at the time was, although a respected actor, he wasn't a bakeable star. He was the indie guy, the kind of crazy actor, dude. Yeah. Those were just a lot of the potential people that they thought of and seemed like the ones that they were actually like, okay, these are the actual finalists we offered roles to. Because that was the whole thing it was like Depp got put on. It was kind of a gamble. He showed up at the first uh, script reading and it wasn't and he his reading surprised everyone with the broad portrayal because it wasn't anything close to what they expected. Mm -hmm. And throughout the entire shoot, Disney CEO Michael Eisner was just constantly like doubting the movie, thinking it was going to like be a, a failure, telling them almost considering shutting down everything before he even started watching anything because the country bears movie did so terribly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the rest of these, I'll just point out a few little tidbits from the movie uh, about Jack Sparrow or Johnny Depp's ideas for the character. So originally, Johnny Depp wanted Jack Sparrow to have no nose and be afraid of silly things like pepper and the common cold. And Disney, this is one of the things they're like, oh, this is a bit too far. Yeah, they want him to have no nose. I guess the logic is that you have no nose. And so he's a worried that pepper... And like getting the cold would kill him or something like pirate era logic or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I love the idea that like he doesn't have a nose. So he's afraid of things that make his nose react. It's like, oh, well, yeah. I don't have a nose. So what's my body going to do? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not going to exactly. know what to do. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Another thing he did was so the gold teeth he had were Johnny Depp's idea, but he predicted that executives would want fewer gold teeth. So he just told his dentist to implant more gold teeth as a bargaining tool. And so this final number of gold teeth in the film was what Depp had envisioned all along. So basically he overdid it. They were probably like, ah, oh, bring that back a bit. And then got what he wanted, which I think is Classic also, humor. isn't that what, what rock band kind of had that same mentality for their tour, Corey? Motley Crue made a habit of that. They would send like videos in the 80s full of nudity to MTV. Mm -hmm. So when they actually sent what they wanted, it looked great by comparison. 
And then, yeah, for their tour and stuff, they would pitch Nazi rallies and things like that. And then, like, obviously, they got, like, rejected. They would bring their actual, like, tour idea that they want. Yeah, and they go, incredible. oh, that's fine. Just don't have swastikas. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. Speaking of rock stars, obviously, uh, people know that a lot of Jack Sparrow's, the influences for Jack Sparrow were rock stars. Because when Depp sure. did research, he realized that they're kind of the rock stars of the era. So you have him inspired by Keith Richards and people like that. Another fun one. So the small scab on Jack Sparrow's jawline, it gets bigger and bigger throughout mm. the movie. So the makeup artist at Johnny Depp did this on purpose as a prank. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny that they slowly just kept the scab, just keep growing throughout the film. What a weird prank. Yeah. It's like, this is a million dollar movie. Let's just fuck it up. Right. Let's just ruin continuity. <laughs> So Depp believes that Jack Sparrow, his fighting style is akin to Muhammad Ali. He said, keeping his arms down, letting his opponent come to him. Mm-hmm. The least amount of energy used for maximum level of results is the character's general thought on most things, which makes sense with yeah. the character. This one's kind of Sparrow adjacent. So, and this will be the last one is that the casting of Jack Sparrow's fellow prisoners and pirate extras involved bringing in bikers and out of work actors into a basement at Disney. They were given real weapons, nice. but this quickly changed to rubber weapons when people began getting hurt. Out of 600 <laughs> people, 10 were chosen to be the pirates. What, they just had to kill each other until... <laughs> I don't know, that's what I think it sound like. This is like the Joker get a bunch with, of- the, with the pool cue and say we're going to have tryouts? <laughs> yeah. Yes. The bikers just get in there like, what, we just... Okay. It's like, no, 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 you pretend to be a pirate. Just, you're acting, acting, guys. Oh, yeah. They don't tell you how many people died in those auditions. Some struggling actor just had his own squid game experience down there. Yeah, for real. But yeah, obviously, Johnny Depp's character portrayal was the stuff of legend. It was unexpected, but eventually was what really sold the movie for a lot of people. And Gore Verbinski was supportive of it, but he was aware of it as well. Even on some points, purposely cutting Johnny Depp out of frame since his performance was so strong. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of the success, obviously, through this movie and to the series is attributed to the character Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp's portrayal. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. All right. I also was like deep diving into possible casting choices for Cap Jack Sparrow. And I also found that Carrie Elvis was oh, yeah. considered. I did see that. Yeah. Now, Christopher Walken and British stand up comedian Rick Mayall were also considered, but they were like, from what I could tell, it was like an earlier concept, like not this particular one. Like they've, I guess yeah, they've been bouncing they, around on potential Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean movies for a long time. Yeah. Because they had written this in the 90s, apparently, and even Spielberg had his hands on it at one point, and, but they just never got around to like, so I guess maybe it was a thing of like, we want to make a Pirates of the Caribbean movie here's a pirate script yeah let's and then put it jim carrey just straight up turned it down like he was offered and he said no i appreciate that yeah bruce almighty he chose to do that instead oh that's as much that as i love jim carrey and that's the thing though is like you look at all these actors you're like oh that would have been interesting mm-hmm. it's just like it would have been nothing like what right. we ended up getting now i'm i'm just assuming i'm the only one really familiar with rick mayall's work most people yeah, might probably. know him from drop dead fred a 90s movie where he okay. plays an adult's imaginary friend come back to like a life in their adulthood. But he okay. was really big. He actually would have been very the closest thing to Depp, I think, okay. if he had gotten the role. He's very, very charismatic, but very weird type of dude. 
Huh. I think he would have been the closest. All right, then. That is some general trivia, which means it is time to hop in the time machine. And this week, it's shaped like a boat. I don't know if there's actually been any famous boat time machines, but we're in one. We're in the first. Um, I'm just saying we're in the first one. So boat we invented time this. machines. <laughs> Are you Googling this? Googling. No, I'm thinking. Isn't in Safety Not Guaranteed, it's a boat time machine. Is it? It's kind of a boat time machine. Yeah. I don't know. I Googled it and it didn't pop up. So I'm just saying we're, well, trademark. All right. We're in, which means we're going back to 1983. 1983. Welcome, young Skywalker. Tanner, what can you tell us about 1983 in the world of film? Oh, in the world of film. Okay, there's a lot of things I could tell you about 83. (laughs) (laughs) Not many of them in film, but I can tell you the top 10 in the box office that year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's hear it. Okay, yeah. We'll go from 10 to 1. Number 10, we've got Risky Business. Oh. Number 9, we've got Mr. Mom. Number 8, Staying Alive. Number seven, oh. Sudden Impact. Number six, Octopussy. Number five, War Games. Number four, Trading Places. Up at number three, we've got Flashdance. Number two, Terms of Endearment. And number Dang. one, Star Wars, Episode Six, Return of the Jedi. I'm still just impressed that they were able to get, had the balls to put a, make a movie called Octopussy. Yeah, just... The just, hubris. It's fine. It's fine. We'll just put Octo <laughs> at the beginning. No yeah. one will no one will know. It's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's James Bond. This is what people expect. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so that's our top ten. Now I will tell you the Oscars. Actress in a supporting role. We've got Linda Hunt for The Year of Living Dangerously. Oh. Actor in a supporting role. We've got Jack Nicholson. For Terms of Endearment. Naturally. Actress in a leading role. We've got Shirley MacLaine for Terms of Endearment. Dang. And then for Actor in a Leading Role, we've got Robert Duvall for Tender Mercies for Best Picture. Our nominees were Tender Mercies, The Right Stuff, The Dresser, The Big Chill, and our eventual winner, Terms of Endearment. Guys, Terms of Endearment has like a all-star cast. Shirley cast MacLaine. Jack Nicholson, oh, yeah. Danny DeVito, Jesse would watch this, yeah, Jeff Lithgow. Daniels, John Lethgow. That's it's, just, it's a solid It wasn't movie. what I was expecting. Terms of Endearment sounds more like some kind of political thriller, and it's like, follows hard to please Aurora looking for love and her daughter's family problems. So not at all what I thought of when I saw the title. There's some really weird writing in it, though, because it's just about a family who falls apart when both parents cheat on each other and like have extramarital affairs gotcha but both are like mad at each other for doing it (laughs) and it's like okay so it's just the pina colada song just in dramatic oscar winning form (laughs) i guess i don't know enough about the pina colada song to get that It sounds like the What's Pina the Colada song? song is a lot deeper than I gave it credit for. Well, it's the, the Pina Colada song is like he's wanting to like 
leave his wife or whatever. So he finds an ad that basically says like, hey, for a good time, call me. So he calls the number and it turns out it's his wife. <laughs> and they're like, ah, you're like, no, we're going to have to sit down, and have some talks about this. Right. So let's move on from our red carpet event and oh, go God. to let's go to the birthing ward and see what twins came into theaters this year in movie titles. OK, right out of the gate. We've got Carmen in 1983 and Carmen oh. in 1984. What? <laughs> Both adaptations of uh, Georges Bizet's opera, Carmen. So it's just an adaptation about an opera. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Titled the exact same thing. So no one, I guess, blinked <laughs> an eye at that. Somebody said, you know what? This one sucked. We can do better, guys. And then they did do better and everyone forgot about it. I would imagine it was like public domain. And so they're like, well, yeah. screw you. Mm. I'm making it too. Yeah. Next, we've got Octopussy. And never say never again. Basically, oh, was this when they this was the dueling of the bonds, right? The whole twins film thing is they're both older versions of James Bond who have played James Bond before. And that's it. And guess what? Roger Moore won top 10 at the box office. Suck it, Connery. <laughs> After that, we've got four movies, which we've said here and there before. Wild Style, Beat Street. Like Crush Groove. Yeah. And then this Breaking. Is- this oh. is like the breakdancing hip-hop yeah, era. It's, it's like, like yeah. the four movies that are about <laughs> the four pillars of hip-hop, essentially. Okay. And then after that, we've got The Day After, Threads, Testament, and One Night Stand. Four movies all about the run-up and aftermath of a nuclear attack. Oh, wow. The name <laughs> One Night Stand is so not what confusing I, yeah, misleading in this context. It's like, what happened in this one this night stand is- that led to the aftermath of a nuclear attack? It went terribly, terribly wrong. Right. <laughs> well, I would imagine that Reagan came back to the White House <laughs> and Nancy wasn't there. He went to the guest room and Gorbachev was getting a little intimate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they just start pressing buttons. Just start slamming fists <laughs> on the table. Reagan stormed out of the room, came back with the briefcase and just said, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> click, 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 click. And then Gorbachev's like running to the phone. Launch, launch, launch. And that's the movie. <laughs> I'd watch it. So the actual answer is that in Australia, four teenagers in a Sydney theater are astounded to hear the news that the nuclear war is broken out in Europe. They try to figure out the best way they can to survive the fallout. Mine's better. I wrote yeah, a better movie. That's yeah. not near I, I like as fun more. as the title makes it sound. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, that's fun. I just like that those last two sets of twin films really just capture the 80s. Yeah. Breakdancing, fear of nuclear war. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. That's all I've got for this year. If you've got other movies that you like, please give them to me. Because I know for me, I honestly haven't seen that many movies from 83. So it was kind of difficult for me to come up with other films that I had liked. Yeah, I'm kind of with Tanner where it's like there's a lot of movies I'm familiar with mm-hmm. and there's a few I've seen. Christmas Story comes to mind, The Outsiders, National Lampoon's Vacation. But there's a lot that I haven't seen or haven't seen all the way through that I want to watch. So I'll give you Scarface I need to see all the way through. Yeah. I want to see The Big Chill apparently is a pretty big deal this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Oscar nominations. Yeah. And I want to see all, all the right moves as well. Big Chill's a great movie. Solid soundtrack. Trading Places was this year. Valley Girl, like Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage kind of comes on the scene hard this year. Okay. You brought up The Outsiders. Uh, Rumblefish also came out, which is the same guy wrote the book. 
both books. So a, and he's from Oklahoma. He's he's one of our guys. Oh, that's right. She's a woman, I, isn't she? Not a man. Oh, is she? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. She wrote under a male pseudonym because they wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, naturally people are like, I'm not going to write. Women can't write. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they said. Where are they going to write? You're going to open that book and it's just going to be gibberish. In the 80s, they were like, we don't teach women to write, do we? What's next? Voting? Who's teaching oh these women? <laughs> <laughs> next, they're going to want jobs. Obviously, some of the like maybe lesser known stuff is uh, Sean Penn had a like a prison movie this year called Bad Boys, which is incredible. Yeah. Oh. And then there's a movie called Class, which is like an early Rob Brad Pack film, film with Rob Lowe and Andrew McCartney, which is essentially they're just friends at college. They become roommates and Andrew McCarthy sleeps with Rob Lowe's mom. And Damn! <laughs> Yeah, okay. whole movie about right. that. So. Andrew McCarthy, holy cow. Right, if you're right. casting that as one is sleeping with the <laughs> other one's mom, you got that backwards, right? Dude, for real. But no, Andrew McCarthy got the lead there. Dude, especially because if you Google class and you like roll your mouse over, the thumbnail they have for it is Rob Lowe next to who I now assume is his mom. But yes, like, it's his mom. That is not what you think when you roll over this. You're like, oh shit, oh Rob gosh. Lowe is getting with his roommate's mom. Nope, it's the opposite and it's great. It works better that way. That's fascinating. Let's be honest, if Rob Lowe slept with your mom, he's not going to feel bad. And McCarthy, right. he feels bad. He's like, oh no, dude, I didn't know that was your mom. That's great. On my watch list now. Add. I enjoy it. So, Tanner, you got nothing? 1983 is kind of uncharted waters for you? I mean, like Nick said, there's some stuff that like I know about. I've seen a few things here and there. But movies that I haven't seen that I feel like I really still want to are like Trading Places. Yeah, that's a good one. Bad Boys is on my list. Vacation's a terrible movie, so I don't want to see that. <laughs> it's so Slender bad. I hate, lies. I hate those movies so much. You just hate fun, all right? I want to see Strange Brew. Oh, yeah, I want to see Strange Brew. It just looks really fun. Oh, and the uh, Steve Martin, The Man with Two Brains. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't seen it, but it looks very fun. And there's just a bunch in this year that I feel like I want to see. Hey, Nick, Deathstalker came out in 83. Remember that time we watched Deathstalker nice. for some weird yeah, reason? For some weird reason. And then uh, here, I'll, I'll recommend this one to both of you. It's a horror movie, and it's called Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Oh, Wildest yeah, yeah. ending in any horror movie ever. Because it's traditional, everyone's at camp and someone's murdering them all. And the reveal at the end is it's a girl, but the girl has a penis. She's actually a boy who got into camp by like pretending to be a girl. The actress was underage and they had to like somehow put her head on top of a male's like body and not really tell her what was happening. So she didn't know until she saw it later as an adult. It's wild because they go full frontal just for the shock value. That's crazy. Sleepaway Camp is one of those that like I know... It exists, and I know the name. Still haven't seen it. It's super wild. Well, lastly, Pirates of Penzance came out in 1983. So we're actually doubling up on Pirates movies in 1983. We're going to throw that musical some competition, which means it's time to do it. It's time to hop into this, fellas. Let's do it. I guess that begs the question, then. How does this movie change in 1983? So Well, it's obviously a musical to compete (laughs) <laughs> with Pirates of Penzance. Obviously, Disney in the 80s is going to go super campy and go, might as well make it a musical. I mean, it's, I can oh, tell you God. right now, it's just starring Don Knotts and Tim Conway. That's just no. what it is. Okay, spoiler <laughs> alert, just throw my fucking cast out the window. Damn. <laughs> I mean, that's this is what I'm assuming if it's 1983 and Disney's happening. I mean, Haley Mills might get thrown in there somewhere. Guys, Dude, Corey, stop around. saying names. 
I mean, I can give you the cast if Disney's actually making this movie in 1983. I mean, other than that, it's just going to have to go some practical effects when they're undead. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. But it'll be cool. We're hitting the peak right here. Yeah. Do you think they bring on John Carpenter to do the prosthetics for it? I hope so. I mean, I, 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 just let him direct the thing. Keep in mind, too, that a year prior to this, Tron came out. And the so thing. Disney was willing to gamble and do some more adult kind of cool stuff. Some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and mean, this is also like Secret of Nim was the year before. We're getting dark, guys, in the kids' world. Yeah, they're going a little weird right now. So perfect timing. Yeah, that could work. Woo! Okay, so basically, we're saying it becomes John Carpenter's Disney Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm down for that, actually. Somehow. Starring Don Knotts, Tim Conway, and Haley Beals. <laughs> That's and it. Kurt Russell. End of podcast. <laughs> yep. Thanks, everybody. We've done it. That's our cast. Let's do it. Again, what we're doing is we're taking Pirates of the Caribbean out of 2003, going back 20 years and dropping it there. Nick chose this film, so Tanner and I have been given a cast list, and so we have filled that cast list with people from 1983, actors that would be relevant. We're trying to get butts in seats in 1983 is what we're trying to do. However, Tanner and I are bound by rules. Rule number one, anyone we cast in 1983 must be alive in 1983. Neither dead nor dying. Even if they've stole cursed gold, if they're technically <sighs> dead without it, they can't be in it. Dang it. Okay. Rule number two, anyone we cast in 1983 has to be free. They can't be in prison or anything like that. They have to be available to show up to set. Rule number three, anyone we cast in 1983 must be actively acting in 1983. And we define that as they have to have at least one acting credit in 1983 or prior to. And then rule number four, where things get a little hairy and messy and, and then we start to maybe burn beautiful things down, is anyone we cast in 1983 will lose all major film credits in 1983 tanner acts like he's never seen a movie from 1983 so we're not sure what he's maybe done <laughs> honestly neither am i he's just a bull let loose in a china shop right now just kicking at everything what have we done nick since you're the director you have two power-ups those to try and keep us from doing too much damage your first power-up is at yeah. any point you can retroactively switch anyone anyone that's on the board if you get to the end and you decide you like two actors but in different roles you're allowed to switch those actors switch a rooney we use it sometimes it's often great for uh getting out of a hairy situation up top mm -hmm. we've gotten a little mm -hmm. more creative with the switcheroo lately i feel like we figured it out and then your big one you have the override which means at any point during the casting you have to do it while we're talking about the character in question is you can tell tanner and i to go walk the plank and you can just put your own person in there. But you're bound by the same rules we're bound to, so don't get too crazy. So that means it is time for us to move forward. Nick, I'm bringing out your director chair. I'm setting it down. We misspelled your name on the back. Sorry. Captain's chair seat. today. Mr. Director Grohl. Just a scroll. Captain <laughs> Grohl to you, Scalawag. <laughs> All right, we'll get started here. And like we have been this season, we're going to start with a 30 seconds or less section. So I hope that you guys are ready to cast some pirates in a fast action. We need to get them on the ship and get yes. ready to get going. So the order from bottom and up is I have thrown them a, a little bonus round one. I said, cast a pirate. Just give me anybody as a pirate. Just a pirate. It's like a cameo, right? Like Yeah, yeah. it's like a cameo. These are all okay. treated as cameos. We don't actually pull them out of the movies that they're in because they're such smaller roles. We just like to acknowledge the actors and also the fun roles that are underneath the top roles that we usually cast. So we've got background pirate, 
Next, we will have Murtog and Molroy. Uh, those are the British guys that Jack Sparrow kind of messes with the entire time while he's on the mainland. And those are played by Giles New and Angus Barnett. Mm-hmm. We have Anna Maria, played by Zoe Saldana. Marty, played by Martin Kleba. He's the shorter pirate. We have Cotton, the mute pirate with the parrot. He is played by David Bailey. And then, of course, we have Pintel and Rigetti, played by Lee Arnberg and Mackenzie Crook. Those are the two comic relief pirates, the shorter stout one that says, Hello, Puppet. And then Rigetti is the one with the wooden eye that always gets lost. The order will be Background Pirate, Molroy, Murtog, Anna Maria, Marty, Cotton, Rigetti, and Pintel. I'm going to piss Corey off here. Okay, do it. Are you guys ready? Yeah. yeah who, who goes, goes first, me or Tanner? Well, let's see. I'm going to flip this fake coin that has the same side. And Tanner, you go first. Wait, what? Okay, which side was I then? <laughs> was I both sides? That's fucked it's up. It's the same. That's what I was saying. It's it's a two-faced coin. Anyhow, Tanner will go first. And then Corey. Gentlemen, are you ready? Yes. yes. Here we go. Background pirate. Tanner. Joe Pesci. Corey. Don Knotts. <laughs> Don Knotts. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Planted. All right, Mulroy. Mark Williams. Okay, Corey. Eric Idle. <laughs> I'll go with Eric Idle. Ah, come on. Murtog. Tanner. Murtog. I have Robbie Coltrane. Haggard himself. Okay, Corey. Michael Palin. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tanner's choice. Say it again. Robbie Coltrane. Coltrane. All right. Anna Maria. Tanner. Alfred Woodard. Corey. Irene Cara. Nice. Alfred Woodard. Marty. Tanner. Tony Cox. Tony Cox. Corey. Jack Purvis. Go with Purvis. Yes. Man. Think of Tony Cotton. Cox in that. Tanner. Cotton. John Cleese. <laughs> okay. Corey. I went with Terry Gilliam. Oh, but that's perfect for Terry Gilliam, though. That's what he does. Exactly. He's All right, the new Monty All right. Rigetti. Tanner. Judge Reinhold. <laughs> okay. I put Rick Mayall here. Rick Mayall. Who's Rick Mayall? Drop Dead Fred. It's the one British comedian I told you to look up, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad. Uh, I'll go with Rick Mayall. It's fine. I feel like if you I only know Judge Reinhold, you can pick Judge Reinhold. What if I want to use Judge Reinhold later? Screw it. We'll do Judge Reinhold. Yes. It'll be fun. You didn't really earn and that, then, by the way. Well, okay. And then uh, we got one more. One more. One more. Fucking- <laughs> one more. Uh, Pintle. Tater, give me your Pintle. Pintle, I have Alfred Molina. Molina. Okay. Corey. Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> uh, Molina. Melina there. Screw you guys. Rowan Atkinson has so much more range than Mr. Bean. I agree. A hundred percent. Yes, there is that. But he's not scaring anyone. He might. No, he's not. It's 83. He would have been a great background pirate, too. He could even have been one of the British guys. Like, what are we doing? All right. We've got 30 less out of the way. We'll move on to our top seven. And we will start with Jeshami Gibbs. Joshami Gibbs? Joshami Gibbs. Joshami. And Tanner, there's no rules to this that have been put in place. So you're going to go first. The fuck is this? We're going to go with the make it take it thing since you got the last two of that ground. Oh, okay. So let's introduce Joshimi Gibbs. Curse you for breathing, you smut sword idiot! Mother's love. Jack. You should know better to wake a man when he's sleeping. It's bad luck. Played by Kevin McNally. He is Jack Sparrow's loyal first mate. He was once a sailor for the Royal Navy, serving under Lieutenant Norrington. 
and is one of the one who tells Will about the mutiny against Jack Sparrow, as well as the pirates marooning and legendary escape. So he's kind of comic relief. He's a little bit exposition guy. Mm-hmm. Kevin R. McNally makes him just a very endearing character. He makes it through, I think, all of the pirate movies. So Tanner? Who is Jack Sparrow's loyal first mate in your mind? This was very easy for me. I think mainly because I was thinking of the scene where we first see Gibbs as the pirate Gibbs instead of just on the crew at the beginning of the movie. Right. So I'm thinking of the scene where he's in the pig pen and they keep splashing him with water, trying to get him up and into the bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see that. And then that next scene where they're talking at the bar. And this was very easy for me. Danny DeVito. Legit, Danny DeVito. I mean, it makes sense. We all love him. He's got that like charisma to him. Jesse is half asleep, fist pumping for no reason right now. He is in terms of endearment, Tanner. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, I would consider it a cameo. Even if it's not a cameo, do you think that it's a role that's like important? No, not at all. He just plays like the guy who wants to marry the mom in the movie. And he just plays this southern guy that she met at church and that's about it Hmm. sounds like a big deal kind of big deal yeah he's in like three scenes where it's just like he just shows up to dinner and you're like why the fuck is danny DeVito DeVito here and then he just disappears he's not important Uh, okay Mm. all right okay i'll think about that yeah i I think think that's a solid solid addition there he also like i think has the presence and gravitas to like be the leader of mm-hmm. this band you know what i mean like yeah. i can see him also like leading the crew and it's before we have the caricature of danny devito yeah it's, he's still very at this point he's still very much an actor's actor like he's playing a lot of dramatic roles and stuff too so it's not like it would tap into that danny devito we've come to know but it wouldn't be the meme joke i think that right everyone would expect well no, and he's louis de palma from taxi right now to everybody yeah. but i'm just saying i know he listens to the show danny devito i think you're important tanner just said you're not important but i, I think you are no, so, loyal I fan of I the show character in this one movie is not important <laughs> danny devito is a, a gem and very important okay well i got danny devito on the board okay Corey, give me your gibbs okay so i originally wrote down bob hoskins loved it and then it like <laughs> yeah. today i was oh, like no. wait that's just me uh, from hook so right. it's like so i backtracked i was like no 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 too safe too but safe. we would have had the danny devito bob hoskins matchup yeah that I'm we've always we needed that now yeah yeah <laughs> so i did back off of it it's like wait he does this later yeah <laughs> So I steered more into just Disney and what I think they might do in the 80s. And I'm okay. bringing you Buddy Hackett of Lovebug fame, who is <laughs> making some movie called Hey Babe. And that's it. It looked terrible. So I'm just bringing you Buddy Hackett. He's Apple Dumpling Gang, too, right? Is he the other guy with Don Knotts? That's Tim Conway. Oh, it's Tim Conway. Okay. Yeah. He's, this is the guy in... The Love Bug. The Love Bug. Okay. Yeah. He's also in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And okay. the music man. Yeah, the music man. He's in a lot. If you Google him, you're going to know what he looks like. I mean, immediately. Well, roughly immediately. It's Buddy Hackett. He's fun. I'm trying to find him in 83. He was Scrooge in Scrooged. Yeah, he's he's the guy playing Scrooge uh, in the TV thing that they're trying to put okay, on. Okay, okay. And he, uh, he voices the seagull in Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. no. Yep. 
You all know him, the seagull and the little mermaid. Everyone our age just went, oh, yeah. Scuttle. Yeah, okay. yeah he's God scuttle. Scuttle. Uh. I'm sorry that uncultured audience. <laughs> uncultured, uneducated, early Disney TV. Right. Oh, okay. Let's see here. So I like Corey's idea of, of keeping it within the day's Disney family tree. It's hard to also not consider Danny DeVito in any type of role at this point because he's not quite Danny DeVito yet. Yeah, and he would I guess have a lot like, of fun. I think the thing with Gibbs that kind of confuses me with Buddy Hackett is Buddy Hackett feels very slapsticky to me, and mm-hmm. I guess that's the question. Like, are we keeping it within the style idea that the current yeah. one is in, or are we going like full kooky? Nonsense. I think that's a style. I think the style that came from the 2003 fits generally well in 83 as well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very much a lot of slapstick and stuff. And that's, yeah, I mean, a lot of Tanner's entire selling of this character was getting water thrown on him when he's asleep in a pig pan. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying. True. Man. Yeah. No, hold on. You can't misquote <laughs> me because I did that. I was and then immediately <laughs> said he also has the gravitas that we need. To be the lead of the crew. Are you saying Buddy Hackett doesn't have gravitas? Yes. <laughs> yes. Nick had no well, fucking clue who he was. He doesn't have gravitas. I need a, I need a reminder of who he was. Fine. 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 Whatever. Nick, just make a decision. All right. We're just going to go with Danny DeVito because right. I'm familiar with him. I'm sure all the Disney fans out there appreciate Buddy Hackett, but he shall remain in the love bug for now. All right, let's write him down, DeVito of the Danny sort, and we will move on to Governor Weatherby Swan. What a name, Weatherby. Okay, so Governor Weatherby Spawn. Spawn? Swan. Elizabeth? I just want you to know, I, uh, I believe you made a very good decision today. Couldn't be more proud of you. But you know... Even a good decision, if made for the wrong reasons, can be a wrong decision. Played by Jonathan Price, the father of Elizabeth Swan. He's the governor of Port Royal, Jamaica. Basically, he's kind of the, he's a little, a little bit of the fish out of water once he starts getting out to go help find Elizabeth, because he's the very political guy that doesn't really leave society and civilization and suddenly he's out of his depths literally with uh the pirates and everything going on but he adds a lot of humor and stuff as well at the end um tom wilkinson was actually in negotiations to play the part but the role ended up going to jonathan price whom johnny depp idolized apparently i think it's a fun role and a very memorable character as well the Mm -hmm. scene at the end the climax when he's running away from the hand i think is probably his highlight scene i would say but yeah so tanner You've made it with the veto, so show me who you got for Governor Swan. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before Tanner says anything, how often does this happen in Hollywood where you're offered a part and then your agent calls you and says, the lead actually likes this other guy more than you, so like, <laughs> you're out? Sorry. <laughs> kind of yeah, sucks. That really does You're suck. like, but I really, okay, all right, okay, it's fine, it's fine. But I... I you think it, you think things were it. tense on the set of the Lone Ranger between Tom and Johnny? Like, oh, <laughs> hey, John, <laughs> what's up? What Jonathan Price wasn't available for the bad guy in this one? Like, all right, all right, go ahead, Tanner, tell okay, us your dumb you. choice. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing: like, I went a little younger than what I kind of wanted to do here. Okay, but 
you but. put that like English wig on him, he's gonna look older. I think because mm-hmm. he always kind of looks older. But this is one of the characters that I felt like needed to be not as much slapstick because he's not like doing a lot of physical things, but he's yeah very like internalized slapstick, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I sure. did was I brought a guy that I felt really has that portrayal in a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I just thought it's going to work really good. I'm bringing you Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, so you know him from Arrested Tambor. Development. He's in Transparent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Okay. Who is he in Heavyweights? He's in Heavyweights. but I don't Oh, he's remember. the dad. He's the, he's he's the, dad. the dad of oh, the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did not send you to dad. go-kart camp and hang yeah. out. Yeah. This is lying. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got that lovability where even though, you know, we're seeing the governor as this authority figure, he is very just light to me, like mm-hmm. as a feeling, yeah. like. He's very mm-hmm. lovable. He loves his daughter. He's often in a rock and a hard place in this role where it's like yeah. he's trying to like be a good dad, but then like duty calls for him to follow certain code and stuff. And that's right. really where he breaks at the end of the movie is when he's like, no, let Jack go free. They right. Let them all. And so he's like very playful in that sense to me. Does he have a large role in Mr. Mom this year? Corey, you may know I mean, this or not. I haven't seen it, so someone would yeah. have to tell me. But it doesn't look like he's top billing for it, so he might just be playing a small role. I don't really yeah, care so. about Mr. Mom anyway, so I wouldn't like challenge it. I'm not going to bring Mr. Mom against Tanner here because I don't really love Mr. Mom. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is he, wait, All right. is he in Mr. Mom this year? He's in Mr. Mom and the man who wasn't there, apparently. That is not oh, now the man who wasn't there. That's a different story. I have no idea what that movie is. No, I, th- I think that's fun. I like he's a great character actor, a sporting cast often in shows and stuff and has a good range about him as well. He's 39 at this point. That's what I was trying to look up actually was to see his age, what he truly looks like in 83. But I mean, the, nu- the numbers work because he's 39. Technically, yeah. Elizabeth Swan's supposed to be 17, 18. Right. So it would, it would play out. It would play out because I think he has some facial hair at this point and it still works and stuff. So. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Corey, who is your Governor Swan? I also went sort of young, maybe a little older than what Tanner did, though. Um, I'm just assuming the character of Governor Swan's like 44. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure, like, it's, come on, it's the old days. Like, everyone died at 60, so. Like, <laughs> true, he's just, true. He's, you know. They got lucky if they were 60. So, uh, I'm bringing you some British acting royalty here, hmm. though I don't think you ever <laughs> actually had a great film career. No, but, no. You know. Um, I'm bringing you Michael York, okay. who's Michael. most famous for playing Basil in the Austin Powers movies. Yeah, <laughs> that's what most people are going to know him from. He would have been in his 40s right about now. Um, he's coming off like attempting a pretty good run in the late 70s with Logan's Run and mm-hmm. some other movies, but he never quite clicked. And so that's what I'm bringing you, because I think he just plays that whole very distinguished, high class British fellow. Mm-hmm. Very well. It's, it's Michael York. Yeah. That was my thinking. Yeah. This year he's doing a Phantom of the Opera TV movie version. Oh, he's doing like four TV movies. So, yeah. yeah like like he's... Four TV movies. Nothing of uh, of note, if yeah. you will. But I think Michael York has enough of a comedic timing. It's essentially with Dennis and Powers. He's playing like the distinguished British intelligent, you know, yeah. boss that mm-hmm. all the comedy happening around him is playing off of him, you know, for the most part. Okay. Okay. I can see. 
both and they both bring different qualities i think to the yeah. character i'm gonna go with jeffrey tambor here because i yes. just think it it kind of fits nicely right along with with the original governor swan right there and i think that 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 just seems to scratch the itch for me pretty well yeah but i do like that we're giving michael york some rub here outside of the austin powers trilogy <laughs> No, no, no. I'm giving Michael York some drugs. Corey, like, Corey is you giving rejected Michael York. Michael York I so. denied him. There's no we here. He's too good looking right now in the 80s. I think that's that's the thing that's throwing me off a little bit. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Tambor and Jonathan Price both play the fool really well. Mm, and like, yeah. I feel like I don't see that as much with Michael York, but like I still like it. Yeah, no, yeah. whatever. Just put the mayor of Whoville in the stupid part. Let's go. <laughs> I forgot he's the mayor of Whoville. I did too. Yeah, pretty stupid pick now, isn't it? Yeah, I get it. But nope, no, it's, it's done. Not, no, he also no, plays no, the no, moves off the chess piece. Moves off the chess piece. <laughs> All right, we've got Jeffrey Tambor down. We're moving up to Commodore Norrington. All right, mm. Tanner. We're moving, we're moving into the middle of the pack here. Let's let's see what happens. Okay. Give me your Commodore Norrington. Locked in his cell. Uh, go. They are not his allies. Governor, we will establish their most likely course. In That's not good enough! Mr. Turner, you are not a military man. You are not a sailor. You are a blacksmith. And this is not the moment for rash actions. Do not make the mistake of thinking you are the only man here who cares for Elizabeth. Played by Jack Davenport. He is obviously an officer in the Royal Navy who is in love with Elizabeth and has a deep-seated dislike for pirates. This is really his most known role, I would say. There's not a lot in his IMDb that pops out beyond this. Mm -hmm. does a lot of TV, I think, after this. But yeah, I, I like his portrayal in this. And then even in the sequels, especially Demon's Chest, he gets a lot of time to shine, I think. Tanner, who is your James Dorrington? Okay, so my... Commodore Norrington. I went with someone who in the early 80s, early 90s is like a big comedy guy. And then he still does comedy here and there now, but he's much more like kind of plays the angry guy or plays the I'm too smart for everyone in the room guy. Okay. But I think this is kind of a sweet spot for him where he can play that very serious kind of demeaning role where he's like, I'm in charge of everyone. What I say goes and mm -hmm. that's all you need to yeah. ask. Mm -hmm. but still have really good comedic timing. Yeah. So who I'm bringing you is Hugh Laurie, House Interesting. MD himself. Okay. Hugh Laurie, the father of, of one Stuart Little. Okay. Yes, Got correct. It. So right now in like 83, he's just doing like a short. He's basically free right now, but he's mm -hmm. got a couple TV series right before this. He's about mm -hmm. to do like Black Adder stuff in the next few years. And then Saturday Night Live, I think in 86. He was in Saturday Night Live? Yeah, between 86 and 88, he did like hmm. 22 episodes or something. Okay. So yeah, he's really kind of coming into his... His own kind of spot there. Yeah, yeah, like this is right where he's going to start gaining a lot of traction in the comedy scenes. Mm -hmm. And we're not at a place right now where he is going to be seen as oh, the funny guy. And this will be like a real sweet spot for him. And you can obviously okay. see with like the angry, like just kind of take house, age yeah. him down. And that's kind mm -hmm. of the Commodore. 
Yeah, the, the Commodore is very much like us. He he's the, he's a punching bag of sorts in this movie because and he he's yeah. a straight man of sorts because he's he's just very much like this is my mission, this is my goal, and then he's constantly having to bounce off of Elizabeth, off of Jack Sparrow. Everybody else kind of has to go through him to kind of get what they want to an extent. Okay, Hugh Laurie, cool, cool, processing that one, looking mm-hmm. at some photos. Corey, give me your Commodore Dorrington. For the record, Hugh Laurie was not on Saturday Night Live. He was on something called Saturday Live. Oh, oh, just take That's out funny. the night. Just, I think I, I just was like oh, when I, I wrote it down, that. I must have just. Well, I, I double checked because I was like, I've read the whole book on Saturday Night Live, and I don't remember Hugh. I think he hosted once. <laughs> I was like, I don't think he was ever a cast member. Oh, that's funny. Unless I, I just skipped an entire thing. Okay, so this was honestly the character I had the most fun with. I think. Okay. I had I'm two excited. ways to play this. Yeah. I can go young or I can go old. I can stay with the maybe this guy shouldn't be dating or asking an eighteen-year-old to marry him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or you went with a pedophile, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, well, the character, it's just already you get those horrible things where you're like, yeah. oh, he's obviously much older than this girl. But because in my mind, I feel like Disney should have made Will, Elizabeth, and Commodore Norrington all the same age. Like they were all, I, I feel like it would have been better if they were all kids at the same time and grew up with yeah. more of that like tension between Will. In Commodore, really? like maybe they've been at this battle their whole time, you know? And yeah, okay. I would have preferred that way. And I had a guy that if I wanted to play it that way, but since I'm losing so much here and I'm just not clicking with Nick, I'm going to go with my safer option. But I'm going to bring you Chris Sarandon. Most people know him as the king from Princess Bride. Okay. okay. Kind of same thinking. He's just yeah. very uptight, take him very seriously, very good at playing the straight man, Chris Sarandon. So he would be hitting about 40. Yeah, he'd be a little older. A little older. Okay. That's way older for an 18-year-old. 83. Oh, he's doing nothing this in 83. Uh, yeah, this, this, is, yeah, this is the hard part. Something called the Osterman weekend. Yeah, the Osterman. It's got like Rutger Hauer, John Hurt, Dennis Hopper in it. What in the world is this movie? Sounds great. Are you sure you want to touch it? <laughs> well, he doesn't seem to be the selling point of the movie. I don't know. It sounds like he's going to be a big deal the way that Corey sold him. No, I literally said, I will not be misquoted. I literally said he's in nothing. <laughs> he's in something called the Osterman Weekend. Yes, I know. That's why I said that, Corey. It's called sarcasm. All right, you two. All right. I'm going to put you in the corner. All right. No, I will not be put in the corner. Nobody puts Tanner in a corner. Nobody, I say. I'm not sold on both 100%. <laughs> And here's really? my thoughts on them. Over right. Hugh Laurie is kind of an inspired choice. I, I like that he's it's younger him. He obviously mm-hmm. the British thing just goes with it. I think he could play the role. Yeah. I guess maybe Jack Davenport himself like is a handsome dude. So like I think the age thing helps it helps make more sense. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is an ideal situation. He's a he's he's a older, but he's he's a good looking guy. He has a lot of success going on about him. Like he's the boring guy in the situation like yeah he's not the fun crazy guy hanging out with the pirates guy you know so there's parts of it that tick off and and i guess it's just there's that little bit in my mind that makes me kind of sit there and wonder if i want hugh laurie or not well you don't think he's pretty enough i don't i don't know if he's pretty enough and chris sarandon i think the age i get where Corey's going with because it's like yeah he's just a commodore like he's he he's yeah. gonna marry a young 
child bride, basically. And so you would be leaning more into his princess bride kind of mentality. Is that? Yeah. Other than he's not a total villain. He's just. Yeah. But that's so the he thing. Gets... And Princess Bride, obviously, Robert Wright Penn is much younger than he is. Right. You know? Right. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just it's that aristocratic. Aristocracy of it, and most of those relationships anyway are more of a political rising kind of situation. It's like I'm going to marry your daughter, and so therefore we're royalty, or I'm marrying myself into an upper class or something, or or we're getting yeah. money for it. So I, I could see that because he's the king. Yeah, he's not the he's not the six fingered man. That I think that's who I keep thinking of is the six. No, he's not. Man. He's not the six fingered man. Yeah. Yeah. It's Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. I think I will play into that idea. I think I, I like that aspect of it a bit. I don't know. Now I'm just doing this right, stupid thing where I'm thinking right, back and forth. Right. Yeah, I think you're thinking too hard on it. Yeah, I think I'm thinking too hard. What? Who do we even have for an override here? Do I have anybody? Probably not. You probably expected us to do better. Well, I wrote Judge Reinhold down right here, but somebody decided to put him in the 30 or less He section. would make no and sense And then somebody here. decided to pick him because they didn't do the research Corey gave them. He would make no sense here. I don't know. He kind of looks like the guy. He Maybe not also looks like this guy. Judge Reinhold looks yeah. more like him. But Judge Reinhold in the 80s can't not play an idiot. That's fair, yeah. It makes more sense for him to be a bumbling pirate than a love yeah. interest serious guy at this point in his career. Yeah. He's not the therapist trying to convince Tim Allen's son that he's not Santa. You know, I hate to do this, Corey, but I think I'm flip-flopping back. I think I'm going to go with Hugh Laurie here. I this think is the nice. ugliest effing movie we've ever done on this podcast. I think I'm going Hugh Laurie. It's just, that's, that's what my gut's telling me. It's just... I think that's what I want. Yeah, we're going to go there. I, I, I'm hoping we'll get back on track, Corey, because this is this is not normally. No, like there us. is no getting on back on track at this point. This is just a <laughs> god awful movie. Like, it's Why? just it's just terrible. Corey, Why? Corey, listen, listen, this is how it starts. You get you're a little upset because Tainer's got these these whipping good picks down your here ass below. is what he's meant. No, to say. it's just because and then you come back and you make some Ugh. great picks here in the end. And then we're, we're all we're all good. We're all fine. All right. Jeffrey Tambor is an actor that mostly plays an idiot. And we've got him as the governor. This movie is yes, because the stupid. governor is an idiot. I mean, yeah, the governor is kind of an idiot. I mean, that's kind of how it <laughs> that's how all they right. play him. Why would I not play the guy who plays the idiot? Okay, let's just move let's on. Move let's move forward. Yeah. Let's move forward. Well, all right, I'm writing him down. Hugh Laurie, he's on there as Norrington. All right, Tanner. Yes. Up next, you're going to give me your Hector Barbosa. But first, let's talk about Hector Barbosa. Took him all. We spent him and traded him. Fretted him away. Drink and food and pleasurable company. The more we gave him away, the more we came to realize the drink would not satisfy. Food turned to ash in our mouths, and all the pleasurable company in the world could not slake our lust. We were cursed men, Miss Turner. Compelled by greed, we were. But now, we are consumed by it. Played by Jeffrey Rush. He is the captain of the Black Pearl currently in this film. He was Jack Sparrow's first mate before he led a mutiny 10 years before. He and his crew stole the Aztec gold for which they are cursed to walk the earth forever. Barbosa was conceptualized as a villain, as a dark trickster, evil counterpart to Jack Sparrow. 
Verbinski, Gore Verbinski, the director, approached Rush for the role as he knew he would not play it with attempts at complexity, but simple villainy that would suit the story's tone. Another version of this factoid I read was that it was more like he would play it broader or bigger rather than being more introspective and stuff, which sounds much nicer than trying to say, oh, he just plays a dumb pirate villain. Right. Because I think there is some some layers there. I don't think it's all just arg, you know, and stuff. He does he does a lot of the typical pirate stuff, but there's a lot more going on there, I think, especially when he's talking about the effects of the curse. And even even his last line in the movie is great. Like his delivery of it is like, I feel cold, you know? Yeah. It's not an expected one. All right, Tanner, who is your Hector Barbosa? Barbosa was difficult for me because, you know, he's got this like villainous depth to him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't just want to go with the standard, like, oh, we're going to get a British villain. Let's put the British villain here. You know, okay. I wanted to go a little different. I wanted him to be a more intimidating guy, like a bigger, burlier guy that might be like more physically imposing as mm-hmm. like the villain in the 80s. Yeah. He has this booming voice. We know him a lot as the good guy. Okay. But I, I would really enjoy to see him as the villain. I'm going to bring you John Reese davies Gimli himself, Sala himself, John yeah, Reese davies yeah. Okay. I could see where you're going. Yeah, it, he's, he's definitely a, lar- a larger-than-life kind of personality. Could really lean into some of that piracy and stuff. It would almost be a little more like regal kind of Captain Barbosa, I would say. Yeah, I think he does tend to play that way. Yeah. But I think there is something to just mm-hmm. having like a bigger presence there. Yeah, yeah. This year in 83, he's just doing a TV miniseries and the movie Sahara. Sahara. Not the Matthew McConaughey movie. Not the Matthew McConaughey movie. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, that's, I think that's a strong choice. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, because you kind of want a big personality in there. And I think that that's, that's, that's very much a, a good thought to have him. Yeah. Okay. He was in Raiders two years before this. Mm-hmm. So he's still like a known name. He's still like a recognizable person. And you're yeah. going to see him as like a heel turn from that. So I think that's Yeah, fine. I think that's the real the real big question is like can he go heal? And right. I think that's that's what really is the question there. Okay. Corey, John Rice Davis is on the board. Who do you got? I picked Rutger Hauer. I'm not going to explain it. He's a bad guy. <laughs> You're operating on whatever weird ass wavelength Tanner's on, so I'm not even going to waste my energy. Rutger Hauer, he's a bad guy. <laughs> he made two movies. He's coming off Blade Runner. So, and he made Osterman Weekend and Eureka this year. I just picked him because he's a charismatic villain. He is that. Fair. I'm tempted to use my override here. Oh. Because I have an, ins- it kind of might be insane pick. Mm-hmm. He's known mostly, I think, especially at this point for comedy, but like, dude looks like a pirate. Okay. But I worry that, yeah, he has been in a pirate movie before. Mm-hmm. Because I just I, I was looking at it today. I was looking up a lot of actors still trying to just get my head wrapped around everybody that's in this year. All right. To move this this boat along, um, the person I'm thinking about, I'm just going to get your feedback on this is Billy Connolly. Hmm. I like Billy Connolly. That's not a glowing review. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of Billy Connolly at the time, because I when I think Billy Connolly, really, all I think of is the Boondock Saints. Right. He's Boondock Saints at this point. My, I think my concern was like, he is a big personality, but I don't know if he's has the villain streak in him. And that's my concern there. 
he's pretty much like Billy Connolly. He still has long hair and the mustache and stuff in the 80s. He just looks a little younger. Mm-hmm. The gray hair from Boondock Saints and even from Muppet Treasure Island. He's Billy Bones in Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. So he has some pirate experience, you know, 10 years from yeah. now or so. Yeah, I mean, he looks there. he looks piratey. And like he's got yeah. a, like a expressiveness. So here, okay. I like Billy Connolly. Okay, here, okay. I don't know if I see it. I figured it out. I figured it out. Here's here's the thing. Billy Connolly's a comedian guy. He lo- has a look for it, but I don't know if he's ready to be the villain of this movie, especially. Mm-hmm. John Rice Davis, I still have the same concern as well. It's like, can he be a villain? I sure. was just thinking about the speech that he gives Kira Knightley's Elizabeth Swan while they're eating. Because he that's the thing. He's big and boisterous, but then when it gets to the real oh, stuff, yeah, yeah. like he really sells you on the terror that these pirates are actually going through. And that's where you gain some sympathy through right. them. So thinking about that with Rucker Hauer and him reading it and with the same kind of delivery and, and seriousness that he gets at the end of Blade Runner. Yeah. I think that's what's the selling point. Because I think all three guys can go big, mm-hmm. but which ones can really sell the intimate being cursed and then and being t- taken seriously as a character. Corey, you're on the board. Rucker Hauer. Congratulations. You did it. Sorry, Rucker Hauer. I put you in such a crap movie. <laughs> It's not a crap movie. It's a fun movie. Well, sorry I put you in a potentially good movie, but sorry that <laughs> who you're surrounded by. Time, Time will, tell will tell here soon. This will be a classic, an 80s classic. So with that in mind, I've got him written down. Rucker Hauer is our Hector Barbosa. And we will move forward with Elizabeth Swan. I recognize this ship. I saw it eight years ago on the crossing from England. Did you know? Fine. Well, I suppose if it is worthless, then there's no point in me keeping it. (laughs) You have a name, Missy. Elizabeth Turner. Played by Kira Knightley. This was, again, like we talked about, she was 17, 18 when the movie came Mm -hmm. out. She is the daughter of Governor Swan. Uh, she's been fascinated with pirates ever since childhood. The opening scene, she sees a pirate ship, kind of kind of gets, gets her brain rolling on it. Uh, during the Black Pearl's attack on Port Royal, she gives her name as Turner, and it's mistaken for Bootstrap Bill's child, which they think, oh, he well, that's why she has the gold coin. Mm-hmm. And so she gets take, taken away, and Will and Jack have to try and go rescue her. I, w- I would say she's strong-willed. She's curious, investigative. Uh, she's not for like the prim and proper kind of world that her dad is a part of. She very much is an adventurer, yeah. you know, like Jack and Will are. And that's something she deals with later in the later movies, even as well as kind of like are, you're more pirate than you let on, especially as kind of her storyline in the second movie. But Corey, you made it. Who is your Elizabeth Swan? Uh, Meryl Streep is too old. True. Yeah. She looks good for the part, but she is, in fact... Old. So I went with coming out of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she will be, I guess, reunited with uh, Judge Reinhold for some <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible reason. I'm bringing you Phoebe Cates, married to Kevin Klein, the star of Pirates of Penzance. So yeah. it'll be a little. All right. So they're, they're going to go. I didn't know that. Hey, I mean, not married gonna... now. They get married. Oh, later. okay. Oh, later, later. Okay, they can talk about I mean, it. Yeah, you know, she's on their honeymoon. Yeah, she's she's got the thing. You know, she's the she's very much like a starlet of the time. She's young. She's 
gorgeous. And then I think proven in other roles that she kind of can play that headstrong character like in Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Yeah, I like I like that pick. That's that's going to be yeah, I think that's kind of the thing because Keira Knightley was a kind of an it girl at the time because she did bend it like Beckham. So she was kind of a, an up and coming star at the time. So it's kind of there's some similar themes there because Fast Times uh, Ridgemont High just came out. So, yeah, I can see that. All right. Phoebe Cates is on the board. Tanner, your return. Sir. Yes. Phoebe Cates is good. OK, I did go younger here. It's fair. She is right at 18 around this time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm bringing you a woman who I feel, especially in a few years, we get a lot of this like she can be prim and proper, but she can also be adventurous. She can be strong willed and like in love and fight for that love. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's just really kind of starting out in 81. So by 83, she's only done a few things. But I think mm-hmm. this is a good place that I would put Jamie Gertz. <laughs> Jamie Gertz. You'd know her in Twister, in The Lost Boys, 16 Candles. Right. Okay. And I think even younger, she does play, not older, but she plays, she has a higher position, I guess is what I would say. She kind of plays more yeah. like, up and up mm-hmm. yeah i think that really plays for here for elizabeth mm-hmm. and i can just see her on a pirate adventure i think jamie gertz is just like the woman i would cast as a pirate yeah 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 uh-huh gotcha gotcha this year she's just got uh an episode of different strokes a tv movie and a few episodes of facts of life the facts of life that's all she's doing she's boots st Clair on facts of life I've never seen Boots Facts of Life, so I don't know what yeah. that means. <laughs> I've seen enough to know that Boots St. Clair, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all you need. Yeah, I like both these choices. I think I think they're pretty good and of the time. Like, you're going to get her for her connection to Facts of Life. People will recognize her from the TV show. And then Phoebe would get recognized, obviously, from Fast Times at Regimont High. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards Phoebe Cates because I think she's kind of become... A, this she's she's a sex symbol to an extent yeah from from the last movie she was in and then i think her work in especially for some reason gremlins stands out to me because she's having to be having to be this kind of she plays a little bit dangle in distress at points but then she's also the realist like guys let's get serious kind of here and even the second one she's the one that's like i have this big bustling career going on and stuff and and while her boyfriend's kind of the stumbling uh wanderer kind of guy so, yeah, I think I just think she just fits the vibe that I think we, I'm looking for. Like Phoebe fits it best for me. And yeah. like, I, I just like that visually in my head of her doing through all these scenes and stuff. I, I like I like her going through it, too. And and it's a little star power, too. I mean, that's that's that probably plays a lot into it as well here. Yeah, so. I, I think that works. I like Phoebe Kate for that. Yeah. Is she the yeah. person in Gremlins that gives the terrible, terrible story about her dad dying? Yeah, yeah. In the chimney? She's the one that talks. Okay. Yeah. You picked her. So oh, I, I, Gremlin, the only time I've ever it. watched Gremlins is when y'all made me watch it, and I never want to watch oh, it again. Right. Yeah. So I just remember the, the one good scene was this horrible, out of place story about someone's dad dying, getting stuck in the chimney, trying to be Santa Claus. Oh my god! Yeah, she's got a few of those stories, which is the best part. All right, I have her written down, and we will move on to Will Turner. My name is Will Turner. My father was bootstrap Bill Turner. His blood runs in my veins. This is a spitting image of old bootstrap Bill. Come back to all us. On my word, do as I say. 
or I'll pull this trigger and be lost to Davy Jones' locker. Name your terms, Mr. Turner. Elizabeth goes free. Played yes. by Orlando Bloom. So Will Turner is a blacksmith's apprentice working in Port Royal. He's in love with Elizabeth Swan. Uh, basically, we start the movie with her finding him from the shipwreck. And then from that point on, he's kind of entranced by her. And so Will struggles with the fact that his father, Bootstrap Bill, was a pirate. Uh, he's unable to reconcile that he was also a good man as well. That's kind of his struggle through the whole thing is that he's thought pirates are bad, but my dad's a pirate. I can't accept this kind of thing. And then Jack's the one who kind of helps him slowly change his mind about how the viewpoint of it and and really will become somewhat of a pirate himself at the end. Mm-hmm. Accepting his family legacy. So, Corey, you gave us our Elizabeth Swan. Can you get us the Will Turner? I will open up my IMDb. <laughs> you wouldn't have to if you would just watch Grease 2. If you would oh, just yes. do yourself yes. the favor, <laughs> watch Grease 2. <laughs> you wouldn't have to Google. But an older version of Rex Manning, okay. I'm bringing you Maxwell Caulfield, who played Rex Manning in Empire Records. A younger version of, of, of well, yeah, Rex Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. just think him, but younger. So it's just Rex Manning. Okay. Okay. But, but in Greece, he is the British exchange student that moves to, you know, Rydell High. And he is. Oh, he's very charming. Yeah. And lovable. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, he's charming in, in uh, Empire Records as well. I mean, yeah, when he's not that's part of it. Dick, but, you know, a douche. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Okay. But he's uh, a free okay. agent only doing TV. I this I struggle with this one more than any of them. It was really hard to find like. In Orlando Bloom of the 80s, like a heartthrob, but, you know, almost like kind of classy. And you could see him playing like this type of swordsmith mm-hmm. endearing character. Because if you pull Tom Cruise out of 1983, you I don't think he has a career. Yeah, this 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 career is detrimental <laughs> to Tom Cruise. It's risky business, all the right moves and outsiders. Yeah, I don't uh, know that he exists if we pull him out. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people. I didn't want to pull Rob Lowe out of class. I mean, that's just really only important to me. Man, Michelle Pfeiffer's such a babe in Grease, too. Yeah, she is. She anyway, sings the best sorry. song of the Grease franchise. Cool Rider in Grease 2. Okay. So. I have two names on my list for Will from Grease 2. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's hear him. Okay, yeah. I, 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 got, I got Maxwell. I got him on the list. I'm, I'm visual, looking at visuals here. I'm, I'm putting it together. So, Tanner, tell me what you got. Okay, so the two names I had are one, Maxwell Caulfield. Okay. And the other, which I'm still kind of debating on if I do a quick switch here and put him in, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is going to do anything for us. The other one is Christopher McDonald. Oh, dang. But I'm not going with him, even though I do think he'd be really fun <laughs> here who I went with because I'm not a coward. <laughs> no, you're a coward if you Lowe. didn't, if you don't go Christopher. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rob Lowe. Is Rob Lowe. Okay. We're pulling him out of the outsiders. We're pulling him out of class. You get the heartthrob that is Rob Lowe. He's 20. No, he's 19 at the time. Right at 19. So oh, in the same wow. age range. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess like I don't know if I've ever seen Rob Lowe in a 
period piece so it's kind of difficult for me to like <laughs> it's difficult for me to like place him in a period piece but just put a hat on him like put a wig on him i think he'll do that and you can see him as like the starstruck love struck mm-hmm. i guess like boy that is trying to punch above his weight class yeah yeah and then okay. and then by the end of it you get bad boy rob Lowe, or who is it that he looks like uh towards the end orlando bloom he looks like a Oh, he looks like a musketeer. You get musketeer, Rob Lowe. Yeah, yeah, musketeer. And I think that really fits. I think that'd be fun. My guy's British. Mm. That's true. There is that. He is British. There is that. (laughs) I've I've never heard Rob Lowe attempt a British accent. I'm sure he could. I'm sure. Do it. Yeah. It just may not be real convincing. Now, I will say, okay, so I will, I will uh, process this, this argument here. It is the 80s. And as we've talked about in former episodes, like Lord of the Rings, there's not this thing like there is in 2000s where it's like, okay, this is a period piece. People speak British accents here. Right. You got to speak the British accent. We're in that phase where it's like, eh, we get the star. And if they got it, they got it. If they don't, they don't. We're putting butts in seats kind of mentality. So now it helps Rob Lowe. It helps Rob Lowe. Well, hold on though. and Because <laughs> it really doesn't because they are all strictly English. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. But they're in the Caribbean, though. It's like, and it's it's not that. And Will Turner isn't necessarily like a given. We, we don't really know where he was raised at per se. Like, I mean, in in, be in the movie, they literally say he was brought to England and raised in England. So like, oh, they do specifically okay. call that out. Like, <laughs> mm, covering their tracks here from time travelers yeah. trying to screw with history. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's yeah. You could. You, I'm just saying, it's the '80s. There's a lot of things you get away with in the yeah. '80s, and that, and usually with fantasy movies and stuff, accents are kind of thrown out the window yeah, a lot yeah. of the time. Especially in the '80s. Yeah, especially in the '80s. It's just like he's a. The other question, cares? the other question I have is like, because Orlando has some facial hair going on, like he he looks like Johnny Depp in the '80s to an extent. Yeah. So. I'm trying to see if they can grow any type of... I mean, they don't have to. I mean, they're going to be young heartthrobs anyway, so they don't have to have the whole Errol Flynn mustache thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's not a necessity, but I'm just saying, it It. it you know, it helps separate Orlando Bloom's Legolas from Will Turner a little bit. Right. Also, he wasn't blonde. That that probably also helped as well. I mean, these are these are both really good. It's hard to try and argue pulling low out of multiple movies like that really the main I mean, one being being outsiders being class where andrew mccarthy sleeps <laughs> with his mom oh right and there's a whole movie about right it. i mean it is it is sad but he was miscast it was it was a, it was incorrect no that's right. i'm just gonna cast. put a little when i think that's link right here in the old <laughs> the old in the old chat yeah another, that is max caulfield here. with facial hair <laughs> And oh, an eye okay. patch. Older. Should we Dr. need it? Dr. Quinn Medicine yeah, Woman. Years okay. from now, and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. <laughs> just saying, we know that he he's can a Western the, pirate. The beard. We just know that his hair follicles on his face work. I don't know if Rob Lowe ever got there. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he never aged a day, but we're not sure if he can grow a beard or not. All right, for the sake of moving this yeah, along. Yeah, I don't think the um, beard is super important. but Yeah, it's not super important or anything. Oh, it is. Um, <laughs> and my guy can grow one. That is true. His guy can grow one. You know, 
when when he was when Orlando Bloom was cast. So I didn't know if you knew this. It was either him or Heath Ledger. Those were the final two. Man, Verbinski uh, chose. Verbinski chose Bloom because he heard he was in Lord of the Rings and he felt it would be a more bankable choice. And Jeffrey Rush hmm. suggested Orlando Bloom because they worked together in Ned Kelly earlier. Oh, such a good film. So there's that logic behind it. It's like, yeah, they went for like the star. That's really no. Yeah. But I feel like this is the year that Rob Lowe really takes off, isn't it? This is like his these are his for the start of his big roles. Or is it or does he have stuff before this? He has some stuff before it, but he's going to. Uh, outsiders like for most of the guys in that cast is going to be kind of game changing jump off point. yeah because yeah. it's like yeah. this is where it really starts because then it's like oxford blues mm-hmm. in 84 saint almost fire in 85 young blood in 86 mm-hmm. it like this is where yeah. it kind of kicks off so in this round you both done like the, the flip of each other like Corey went for like the not so well-known actor mm-hmm. and then Tanner went for the megastar. Whoa, it's just whoa. It's funny. In 83, we're talking about the guy that just came off Grease 2. Like, he's <laughs> not a nobody. He's not a nobody, but time has not has not gave him the same uh, level of Rob Lowe has. But I'm going to go with Max Maxwell oh, Caulfield. Because I just I just like his look. I, you know, based look. off of what I've seen of him. And and the fact that he's British that helps a little bit. But I I just I'm seeing him in the outfits and stuff and the swashbuckling looks and everything. I'm like I kind of like this. I like what are, where we're going for. So I've done the photo to photo thing. We've we've done a few test line readings and and he got the part. So congrats, Maxwell. We might give that career another boost after the monumental success of Greece too. Writing it down, I'll say this, Tanner. If you had put me between Rob Lowe and Christopher McDonald, I would have gone Christopher McDonald in this role. Yeah, mainly I'm attracted to the repercussions of what is his career turned to if he was given a leading man role real young. I mean, he's got the look for it. I mean, I hope he's still Shooter McGavin one day, but like, it's like, does he become a leading man? Right. And not just the character. That, actor? Yeah, that one was that one kind of I wasn't sh- I was like, oh, that came out of nowhere to an extent. Oh, it tickled it me the right way. I was like, hmm, kind of like I it. really like it, but I, I just didn't think it was going to win. Yeah. For sure. Okay, let's finish this thing off, boys. We've got the last one, the one, the only, Captain Jack Sparrow. Well, then, I confess, it is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew and tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer my Weasley black guts out. I said no lies. I think he's telling the truth. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it to you. Played by Johnny Depp. The eccentric trickster pirate, characterized by his slightly drunken swagger, slurred speech, awkward flailing hand gestures. He has a genuine reputation for made-up stories of how he's escaped from deserted islands and other so on and so forth. He's determined to regain the Black Pearl, which he captained 10 years before. Corey, you made the last one, so you get to go first and try to replace Johnny Depp and Jack Sparrow. You still have your override, Nick? Is that right? Crap. I still do have my override. Okay. Oh, is this like where something where me and Tanner just need to say our names right quick and you just no, take us to the no, curb? There's, it's, there's no, there's no front runner for anything. Okay, so. okay. Okay, first of all, this is like on the same level as trying to recast Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. It's, it's just so tough. the character, the actor created the role, like just created every nuance and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's just... Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason Disney pretty much is having to to reboot it and just throw a female pirate in there. They're like, we're not going to even attempt this, you know? Right. Like, yeah. we're not going to recast for Jack Sparrow. 
So I just did my best. I mainly said, give me an actor that's creative. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to come up with the exact same thing as Johnny Depp did for Sparrow. But I was like, I want an actor who I know will tackle a role and try to mold something completely original out of it. Mm. Got it. So I'm pulling Mr. Mom out of Mr. Mom and I'm bringing you Michael Keaton. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. I'm pretty much just taking the dude was Beetlejuice. He embodied Beetlejuice. He's obviously not afraid to just go all out at a role, even though his career maybe took him down a different path Mm post-Batman. In the 80s, he's very much a comedic actor, and and Beetlejuice, I think, is just an absolutely equally brilliant performance. Yeah. And an actor taking something and completely, from scratch, creating this very, very charismatic thing. So I'm bringing you Michael Keaton. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's... I think that's just the thing is like you guys will give me some people and I'll just be, have to like visualize how they would play the role because there's nobody oh, yeah. that's going to just be a one for one. Because well, if McConaughey or Jackman or any of those dudes had gotten this role, it would have just been a very Errol Flynn swashbuckling pirate. Mm-hmm. It would have been very straight, you know, so I said, yeah, I, I wanted an actor that wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, Michael Keaton would not have just been I'm going to throw on some pants and boots and a fluffy shirt yeah because i'm also just trying to picture michael keaton with the getup even just kind of somewhat of a jo- of a jack sparrow getup that we know just so i can start to kind of i mean he's got <laughs> the yeah. thing. I, <laughs> yeah i would be I, it's just it, it's just hard all right i'm starting i'm letting that s- stew for a bit uh tanner give me your pick for jack sparrow captain jack captain. Sparrow. i like the way Corey set that up i really thought you were about to go gary oldman Okay. Just from the way you were setting that up, which would have been funny. But I I went with a guy who I thought has these moments, you know, like Johnny Depp does with Captain Jack, where he has, like you were saying, the slurred speech. He has this like, oh, cool, collected, like, well, not collected, but like, cool, talk his way out of things. And he has this ability to be charismatic and playful and all of that. But still, like you're saying, not play it straight like Errol Flynn Mm -hmm. like all of these swashbucklers and I thought this guy would be really fun because we've seen him kind of go kooky in a lot of things Jeff Bridges I'm sticking with like Disney he did Tron the year before so like Disney's still like kind of around with him this year he's just doing a TV series like he's not in anything Mm -hmm. but I mean he is like a huge name right now because like Tron yeah yeah and he's had some things, obviously, like before this, he's been working for a while. And I think if you look at his stuff over the years, like even post Big Lebowski, he still has this mm-hmm. like he's a character. So he's yeah. going to be able to pick out nuances and characters in this role that I think would be different than a lot of people at the time. Yeah. Interesting. I thought about Jeff Bridges as well. And it is that whole Tron thing. Mm -hmm. And it's also as much as I hate the film, it is his performance as the dude that, again, it's a very Mm -hmm. much brave and and very like good performance that just shows he has that range to go to that other. Because you look at him and he's like, yeah, he's going to be in Westerns his whole life. But then he shows you that he can go much further. Yeah, that's interesting so Corey, i like your pick because it's 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 channeling that same idea of like an actor that's going to do something that isn't expected that isn't just gonna be errol flynn he's gonna be 
there's going to be some weirdness yeah because that's what jack yeah. sparrow is is there was weirdness going on jeff bridges i think yeah he plays into maybe the other side of that that it's like he's this leading man looking guy like depp was right. and he just tweaks it a little bit and he found himself a character like johnny did with with the dude and i think the elements of the dude and jack sparrow bleed are pieces of those people's true personalities that finally got to bleed out onto yeah. screen because yeah it's like for the first couple decades of their life they're trying to be put into these square pegs you know right. as a circle and then they finally go like no 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 this is this is what i am like the roger ebert uh, review was saying like this feels like a a career's worth of preparation leading to this point yeah but <laughs> but i knew it tanner i knew we, we it sold ourselves we put ourselves out there no 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 stupid no, over no. <laughs> We both sold but the shit I was totally, out of our people. I was totally like, just had no clue. I was like, most of the people I even was considering for Monty Python are taken up or like they're just not mm -hmm. the right fit. And I was like, Michael Keaton. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. That's an interesting take. Yeah, he, I, we, you know, you get him to tap into some Lebowski a little bit mm -hmm. and he can do that. You said Gary Oldman, though. I did say Gary Oldman. That is true. But he didn't pick Gary Oldman. Right. He didn't pick could Gary Oldman. With it. And I couldn't walk. I kept, I was listening. I was listening because I was like, yeah, I could see that. And then my, my, my Gary Oldman kept mm -hmm. pecking, pecking into my brain going, I'm right here. What are you doing? Because he does, where is he at? So Sid Nancy's his first big thing in 86. Yeah, it's like he, his he's first done career thing is, yeah, Remembrance is his first, is thing. his first film. Yeah. But Sid Nancy's, pretty big way to start your career to be like hey what's up he's also like so it's not like he's five at the time i think 25 at the time too yeah that's also a good point to make versus michael and them being probably in their 30s i would assume because jack's supposed to be yeah jack's more he's had the pearl uh michael keen would be 32 32 but that's my thing. I think like Jack Sparrow, you're supposed to believe he's already lived off his life. Yeah. He's already yeah. run a ship and been mutineered and like these right. his old crew's mm -hmm. been traveling around for and 10 years with these ten, undead yeah, there has pirates. To be that, that 10-year period yeah. of weirdness going on. Jeff Bridges is 34. Oh, yeah, because that is the problem. Yeah, because he's too, he's 25. He would have to have been like Captain of the Black Pearl at 15 and that makes no right. sense. All right. Okay. I'm walking away from it. Walking away from put it. it down. It's not real. It didn't happen. You could also put anyone here and Don Knotts is sitting Stop. at just background pirate <laughs> at the bottom. I will I will look over our cast real quick just to see if there's any hidden gems here. At one Don point Knotts I did at one Jack point Sparrow I was considered out of the Monty Python guys. The one that stood out to me mostly because of his performance in Life of Brian was Eric Idle. Mm. In that one, he plays Stan or Loretta, and then he's also Harry the Haggler. And there was, there was a lot of Jack Sparrow and Harry the Haggler. Like, I yeah. kind of felt it. But again, it's also, this is kind of the lead character to an extent. Can he carry right. the seriousness of the character along with the hijinks and stuff? You could do a switcheroo and give Alfred Molina... <laughs> a front facing role here i think that's the thing and, and that's and that's the real the, the real thing about johnny depp yeah. is it's like he's this character actor right but he's but he's this also handsome sex symbol yeah and that's literally why jack sparrow is like the amalgamation of his careers because it's like 
he's the sexy pirate. Right. That's kind of crazy. He's just smashing a bunch of things together. I need to look at Jeff Bridges younger again, or at least at this age, because I'm just seeing him as Tron right now. Well, I mean, that was the year before, so. Yeah, is there any hint of the dudeism coming out before the 90s? I just need to see him with long hair and a beard. Um, There's a movie. Let me pull it up for you. I think it's Against All Odds in 84. Yes, okay, I see Look it. through that, and I think he's got some stuff there. He's the football player? Yeah, yeah. okay. He's still got shorter hair. He's got, like, medium-length hair, but he's got the right. beard. yeah. Dang, he's just smoldering in this movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's sexy. It's just whatever you want, Nick. It's just I. I well, think that's the problem. Both... Is I, I can't just I can't decide because it's like Jeff Bridges leads it leads into the leading leading man side of things. Yeah, a little bit with a little with the peculiars. Michael Keaton leads into the character actor part with a little bit of leading manness to him. I mean, he plays Batman for crying out loud. Yeah. I'm, uh, now I'm trying to read through scenes in my head real quick. Yeah, yeah. Like, Lay it out. Lay it out. I think that's just the thing is it's like if you pick Jeff Bridges, you're getting you're basically telling him like be kind of like the dude. And if you're telling Michael Keaton, you're just saying like, I don't know, just do make something up. Be, be a little bit of Beetlejuice, a little bit of Batman. I don't know. Oh, God. You can see with Jeff Bridges just a couple of years later. I mean, a couple. It's a good few years. But like even in the Fisher King. Yeah. He still has a lot of his dudisms in there before the dude. Mm-hmm. So he's that's just. It's percolating. Yeah, so, like I think okay. that's just his face. Yeah, it's just his face. <laughs> okay, to say spare us all this longevity, I'm gonna go with what my gut's leaning towards, and I'm just gonna go with Jeff Bridges. Yes, I think there's the there's a look there. I think you bleed into the dude a little bit. Mm-hmm. You grow out the hair a little bit. You let him. I think it would just be a thing where we're time travelers and we go. This is how we want you to kind of do the role. Yeah, bring your uniqueness to it, but lean this way with it because this is what's gonna work trust us we know i think if you just tell him at this point like hey just have fun yeah you're gonna get that moment give us the cheshire grin smile yeah. like you're yeah. gonna get you know on the island like why is the rum gone man why why is the yeah. rum gone like i really see yeah. jeff bridges like doing that really well oh this is so hard too just because i care about this character so much okay no i feel good i feel good about that yeah I mean, feels, you shouldn't, that right. but that's fine. You love it, Corey. You love no, it. No, I mean, okay, so I had Jeff Bridges down, but I went with what I thought was far more inspired and appropriate, and that's fine. I don't have to try to sleep tonight having wrecked this film like you two do, so it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. You thought Ugh. Michael Gary Oldman, why weren't you more five years inspired? older? By far. I mean, I, I sold degree, it yes, far I better would... than you did. I, I I approached it as I gave you an actor that's going to build something incredible out of this. You you guys picked, oh, we got to take this guy into the future and show him this role he does 30 I years from say now. And say, do that. <laughs> I'm I said just saying. he just has to be himself and go a little Hey, no, crazy. it's fine. It's fine. I got a few picks in. I apologize to my actors for dropping them this giant turd bomb <laughs> that Tanner created. <laughs> and Nick is an accessory to it's fine. It's fine. You're hurting me, Corey. I know. He's doing me. it on purpose. <laughs> and I'll, I will text you at midnight tonight just saying, Jeff Bridges? Jack Sparrow? Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me do the rundown so we can get out of here. So, from the bottom to the top, this is the rundown for Pirates of the Caribbean 1983. For our background pirate, a little cameo by Don Knotts. 
Yes. Murtaugh and Mulroy, the British guys, will be played by Robbie Coltrane and Eric Idle. Anna Maria, Alfred Woodard, Alfre Woodard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marty will be played by Jack Purvis. Cotton will be played by Terry Gillum. Reggetti will be Judge Reinhall, and Pintel will be Alfred Alfred Molina. Joshua B. Gibbs will be played by Danny DeVito. Governor Swan will be Jeffrey Tambor. Commodore Norrington will be Hugh Laurie. Hector Barbosa, Rutger Hauer. Elizabeth Swan will be Phoebe Cates. Maxwell Caulfield will be our Will Turner. And Jeff Bridges will take on the giant task of being Captain Jack Sparrow. That's it. That's Pirates of the Caribbean 1983. Look, I know Corey's been bitching a bit about this cast. I think that sounds fun. Jesse, I'm sorry. Just cut out. Just cut out all the crap and just, you know, make it sound like I made a much more sufficient decision. Succinct. More succinct, yes. Just make me sound okay. Not like I just spent 15 minutes freaking out. That's what we do. I mean, it would have been better if I think if you had just closed me out and picked all the Tanners, because it just doesn't make sense that I have some really good appropriate actors in there with all these people that don't fit. (laughs) That is insane of you to think that none of these people fit these roles. Is certifiably insane of you to think that these people don't fit these roles. I mean, at least some yeah, of them. Okay, sure, sure, no. <laughs> well, what's happening I don't next know. time, Tanner, guys? Your pick next time, <laughs> what are you bringing us? Yes, it is. I'm bringing you a movie from the 70s, and we're going to update it to the year of 2022. Oh, shit. We're going to bring it all the way forward, almost 50 years. Wow. We're going to be okay. bringing the movie Soylent Green <laughs> to 2022. Oh, my God. I've never seen Soylent Green. I know the spoiler ending. I haven't either. Um, it'd be difficult in the world now to not know the ending of it. I kind of look forward to sitting down and watching this. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun watch. And then it'll be fun to think of putting it in 2022. Right. It's fun and educational. Just yeah. in time to go back wow. to school, guys. Wow. All right. So tune in next week for Soylent Green 2022. It should be a good episode. Tanner's not casting. Um, so that'll be good. <laughs> wow. I, I kid. I kid. I, I, I kid. I'm done. It's just, I'm done. It's, no, it's annoying because you and Tanner are not normally on the same wavelength. And for some reason... I feel like me and you should have been more on the same for Pirates. But you and Tanner, for some reason, hit the same thing, and it was just taxing. I just just don't (laughs) see it, but you guys see it. I look forward to responses from the listeners, because maybe I'm crazy. I'm 90% sure Ash will back me up, so I look forward to that. That's good. He usually comes to the rescue of my wounds from this podcast. Well, again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tune in next week for Soylent Green 2022. Again, hit us up on any of the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're, we're there. We're present. We'll engage with you. And then if you want to go even further uh, and financially contribute to the podcast, we are on patreon.com slash quantum recast or buymeacoffee.com slash quantum recast if you just want to give us money with no no perks. But you can go visit that page, see the different luxuries um, and uh, that, you, that you get if you do uh, contribute to uh, the podcast through Patreon. And then again, like and subscribe, review us, so that helps us to find more listeners. We will see you next week for Quantum Recast, Soiling Green 2022. Say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs> <laughs>